Welcome to the Legacy of Legends, a Dynasty podcast. Join the Legacy of Legends team as we talk about the ins and outs of fantasy football, specifically from a Dynasty perspective. Our purpose is to help you make the moves to leave your mark and establish a legacy in your Dynasty League. And welcome. My name is BJ Kent, and I'm joined by my co-host, Marcus Raper. Marcus, how's life been going, man? Man, been going pretty good, pretty good. Uh, you know, I mean, as an Ole Miss fan, we uh, sure up Kiffin for, for another couple years, so pretty happy about that, uh, you know, in the college football world, as far as uh, fantasy football, doing doing good in every league but this one, so uh, got pretty much eliminated from the playoffs this week, so uh, sad, sad week uh, for the for the Legion of Doom. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, so, speaking of uh, college football, Marcus, I know Ole Miss got the, the Sugar Bowl, right? Yes, sir. And y'all play against Baylor, what you thinking on that game? Uh, man, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I think Baylor's tough. They've gotten better all year long. Uh, played a played a good game against Oklahoma State. They're kind of done what they wanted to with them. So, uh, you know, defensively they look look pretty good, and and offensively it's going to be tough for Ole Miss to stop them. Uh, they uh, they've got you know they've got skill at every position uh, on the offense. So, uh, interested to see how Ole Miss does. I think uh, I think this this game is going to going to depend you know, hugely on our recruiting. I think if we can go out and, you know, look really good against another conference, I think it's uh, with Kiffin, with Kiffin signing on for, you know, the near future. I think, uh, I think it's going to help big time. And, and most of all, maybe it'll get, get Arch uh, to come on home, you know, to, to Ole Miss. So I can, I can see it, man. I know he's got that, that, uh, that back that background there, you know. Yeah. They they say <clears throat> that the the Mannings has got a good good connection with Lebby. So that's my only fear is Lebby's on on a lot of short lists for the jobs uh openings, uh, even Oklahoma, I believe. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, we not only we kept Kiffin, we've got to try to keep Lebby around too. So I'd like to see him throw a curveball and just go back go to Alabama and pull some strings there. Oh man, I hope not. Alabama gets <laughs> enough. That's true. That's true. So uh, speaking of Alabama, BJ, how'd you like that SEC championship game? Man, all right. So look, this past week's been crazy for me, man. I uh just kind of give it, the listeners a recap of what's been going on. Uh I had to leave Thursday at work because uh turns out I got COVID. And so it's been a crap show for the past couple of days. Uh basically over the course of four days, me, my wife, and my five-year-old have all tested positive. So with that being said, uh, I was quarantined over the weekend in my daughter's room, just me and myself and the kids were in here trying to stay safe and not get sick. And so I watched that uh, SEC championship and I will be 100% honest with you. Uh, I thought Georgia was going to smoke Alabama. Uh, I went into it with low hopes because I knew what that Georgia defense could do. And also I knew that Alabama's offense kind of has been struggling here lately. Uh, and so going into that game, I remember watching the first quarter and Georgia went up 10, nothing early. And I remember talking to somebody on the phone and being like, oh man, it ain't looking good, but I don't know what got into the Bryce Young, man. I don't know what got into him. I don't know what got into the offense. Honestly, I don't know what got into that defense, but Alabama came out, man, just blazing. Uh, uh young, young secured the SEC title. He yep. secured the Heisman. And if he continues to play like he did, they're going to be the national champions too. So uh, he he done a lot in that game. He did. It looked good all year, uh, but he he struggled a little bit when they put pressure on him. And Georgia tried it, and yep. uh, it didn't work out well for Georgia. And that's the only thing, man. I know uh, 
you know, I, I like John Mechie, the wide receiver for Alabama. Uh, I want to say he went down with a torn ACL, so he's out uh-huh. for the season. Uh, that's going to hurt our chances a little bit. But honestly, we got Jameis and uh, Williams, who I think is going to actually be a stud in the NFL next year. Uh, somebody I'd keep an eye on in those second, third round picks if he makes it all the way down there. Uh, but yeah, that, that game was good. Then Sunday, I got to watch some football on red zone. Uh, there were a couple of actually really, really good close games. What about Detroit getting their first win, Marcus? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. I want the hey, credit okay. for that win. I want the credit. Cause... All right, I'll skip over it right now. We'll come back to it. Uh, <laughs> I watched I watched the Baltimore Ravens beat the Steelers. Uh, that game, man, uh, I don't know what's been going on with Lamar Jackson, but he has been struggling here lately. It's been hurting a lot of my fantasy football teams. Uh, but basically, they uh, the Ravens – no, I take it back. The Ravens almost beat the Steelers. Yeah, I was going to say Steelers, uh, Steelers end up winning that game. Yeah, that's right. After scoring a late touchdown with just a couple of seconds left, uh, the Ravens decided to go for two, and Lamar avoided some pressure, threw it out to Mark to Mark Andrews in the flat, and just a couple inches outside of Mark Andrews' reach. Man, it was a it was a good game. Uh, let me ask you this, Marcus what's your what's your take on the rumors coming out that this is Ben Roethlisberger's last year? Uh, uh, he said that a couple years ago, so you know he's got a little bit a uh, little bit of Brett Favre in him. You don't know that he's, you know, really leaving. Uh, I know he, he come out, I think it was uh, two years ago, and said the same thing. Uh, coming into the season, he said, he, you know, he didn't know if he this would be his last year. But uh, if he does leave, uh, I, I've been foreshadowing it. If you've listened to this podcast, uh, I think he might as well pack his bags because I think Rodgers is gone. And there's just uh, me as a, as a Green Bay fan and following Rodgers, a lot of people think he's going to try to go back out west. Uh, but I think with – with every the tools that he has in Pittsburgh, as you've seen in that game, you know Roethlisberger looked horrible, and they they still beat a really good Ravens team. I think Rodgers is is headed to you know to the Steel City, uh, so I think that's a lot of you know Roethlisberger knows that they're probably going to go out and get somebody. So yeah, he don't want to be kicked out the door. He wants to leave, and and he should. I mean, the dudes give him he's given him a ton. I mean, he uh, you know he's given him Super Bowl. He's been a great quarterback. Uh, I think he's. Uh, was he been there 17 years? It's been a so, while. I mean, he's give them, he's give them a ton. So I think, you know, give the guys, you know, his, his exit and uh, let him, let him kind of go out victorious. And I, you know, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl or anything, but let him, he's going to have a decent year. And yep. uh, I honestly think, you know, they're, they're going to go in a different direction. Well, man, if Rogers wants weapons next year, some of the best weapons are there in Pittsburgh. Uh, you got Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and two of the the most dynamic duo of young wide receivers right now who have been looking great. Uh, you got Pat Fryermuth, who is looking like a tight end that Aaron Rodgers would love, and then you also got one of the best backs in the NFL, Najee Harris. And so if I'm if I'm Rodgers, I'm tempted. Uh, I'm actually I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I'd rather see him go to Pittsburgh than I would Denver. Uh, but anyways, moving into today's episode, what we'll have is a review of our week 13 must start must sits. We'll have our week 14 start instead of the week. We'll have our Legion of Doom week 13 matchup recap. We'll welcome in a special guest of the show, somebody we've been talking about, uh, in a, in a lot of episodes in the past. So we'll be talking to them. Uh, and then we'll have two fun segments at the end with our special guests. One of them I'm calling commissioner talk and the other one I'm calling college favorites. And so, Marcus, let's jump into this must-start, must-sit from last week. Uh, who was your must-start, man? Uh, must-start. I told you to go with Van Jefferson as he, uh, you know, looks to fill the role of Robert Woods there. He ended up with 16 points. 
Uh, he exceeded projections, and I look for Jefferson uh, for, for him to continue to do that. He looks fresh. He looks motivated. He looks like he's got a chance there with Woods out, and he's making the most of his time. Uh, I look for him to shine the rest of the year. But if you started Jefferson, uh, you know, he, he exceeded projections for you and hopefully helped you win your week. That's right, man. I'm a, I think Van Jefferson is carving out his role there, like you said. Now, yep. I know they got Odell right now and stuff like that, but Jefferson's got the the history with the team. Mm-hmm. And so I told you guys to start Josh Jacobs this week against the Washington defense. He did come out strong in the outing and produced 24 points on 13 carries, 52 rushing yards, and a touchdown, along with nine receptions for 38 yards. He looks to continue to be a solid running back, two going forward, especially since the unfortunate news came out that Kenyon Drake broke his ankle during the game. And honestly, man, with that, uh, the offense kind of struggling right now as it is. Uh, this is a this is a team that I think they're facing a run through Josh Jacobs. Uh, they got Kansas City coming up this this coming up. I think it's a is it a Monday night game? Maybe. Uh, no, no, no. It's yeah. not Monday night. Uh, it's later on. <clears throat> but yeah. they're playing I think against. I think it's, yeah, three o'clock game. Yeah, I think you're right. And so they're playing against Kansas City this coming up week. Uh, it's one that a lot of people are looking for Derek Carr to ball out on, but instead, my eyes are going to be to Josh Jacobs, honestly. Uh, and so Marcus, who was your must sit? This is, uh, this is, uh, where I'm going to take credit for that Detroit win. Uh, I put TJ Hawkinson on the, on the must sit. He had 14 fantasy points, four catches, 49 yards. A big part of me telling you to sit Hawkinson was struggling quarterback play from Jared Goff. Uh, Goff come out, looked great this week. And I think it took me putting that Detroit player on the must sit for them to go out and get that win. Uh, so if, if you listen to me, uh, you wasn't very happy, uh, cause Hawkinson had a great week, but if you're a Detroit fan, you're, you're happy, uh, because I'm sure, uh, you know, they listened to this podcast and then give them some, you know, some chalkboard material and they went out and said, you know, we're going to prove, uh, Mr. Marcus wrong there. So. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. It's like we said last week, if you got Hawkinson, you had to start him. But this was more of a lower-year expectation. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, man. If he didn't get that touchdown, then we'd be sitting here and you'd be like, man, I, I hit. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm glad Detroit got that that burden off their back. Uh, it was a great throw by Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown to win that game. Uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I remember I watched it uh, right there at the end. I was like, I can't believe they actually just won this. Uh, I expected the Vikings to run away with that game, especially after Justin Jefferson had that crazy, crazy game. Uh yeah. My most hits for this past week was New York Jets running backs Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman as they face off against the Eagles in week 13. Ty Johnson was once again outproduced by Tevin Coleman for the second week in a row. Uh, <clears throat> Coleman came out with just 10 fancy points on 11 carries and 58 rushing yards alongside of three receptions for 19 yards. Ty Johnson only scored three fancy points with one carry for one yard. Uh, and two catches for 14 yards. I'm once again avoiding this backfield going forward until Michael Carter comes back. Uh, I don't want a single piece of it. And, I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd start Elijah uh, Elijah Moore at wide receiver because he actually looked good with Zach Wilson this past week. But outside yeah. of him, man, I don't want any pieces of this offense right now. All right, Marcus, let's move into week 14. Must starts, must sits. Who are you starting this week? Well, I, I'm just kind of looking through some matchups. Uh, and and I think Taysom Hill's got a good one this week. And uh, you know, I want to make our fellow league make Adam Adam happy. You know, he's a big Taysom Hill fan. Uh Hill looked pretty decent this last week. Uh he messed his finger up 
and you know had to kind of improvise which he does a lot with his with his legs but uh they play the jets defense this week as we talk about the jets backfield <laughs> uh, now we can talk about the jets defensive backs they're just as bad so uh, i think you can give a taste from hill to start uh look at what what gardner Minshew he carved up the jets and if you add Hill's running ability and his, you know, his running touchdowns in there, uh, you know, look for look for Taysom Hill to give you a twenty plus point week from the quarterback position. Yep, I really need Alvin Kamara to come back to that Saints offense too, man. Uh, I traded for him two weeks ago in our Ballers League that Robbie is a commissioner of, and traded away Javante Williams in a first for Alvin Kamara, and it has not played out for me so far. And so, just to kind of get my hopes up a little bit, I need Kamara to come back this week, man. Uh, but I agree with you. I think Taysom Hill, he's going he's gonna to do enough against that Jets defense to to get you about 18 points, honestly. Uh, so with my must start, I'm going with Mike Williams, um, especially if Keenan Allen is out uh, due to COVID precautions. He, Mike Williams is currently sitting the wide receiver 15 on the year and is a solid wide receiver two or three for a, on a weekly basis. And he is facing an easily exposable New York Giants defense this week who may actually end up having to start Jake Fromm this week with the statuses of Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon uncertain. But with the way that the Chargers offense has been playing the last couple of weeks, man, I'm looking to plug Mike Williams into any lineup that I'm needing a high upside play. Uh, if you've ever watched the Chargers the past couple of weeks, Justin Herbert has been hyper-targeting Keenan Allen, uh, been checking down to him, been looking his way very, very often, and then he's been looking at Mike Williams kind of as that, that high upside side. Uh, and so now with Keenan Allen possibly missing this game, I'm expecting him to look Mike Williams way a lot this week. Uh, now I will say this, uh, Keenan Allen is vaccinated. So there is a chance that he plays this week following two negative COVID tests. And so we'll kind of see how the week uh, plays out. But Marcus, who are you sitting here, man, uh, this coming up week? Cause I see this in the show doc. This is, this is an interesting one. It's I'm going back to back. I went Hawkinson, which everybody's like, you're crazy. And honestly, other than the touchdown, like you said, it was it was true. Uh, but uh, I, this week is, is probably even crazier. Uh, I'm going to set Amari Cooper. And when I say that, the Cowboys fans are going crazy. Uh, and most of the fantasy owners are going crazy. But if you're watching uh, Dallas and Dak Prescott, Lamb is the man. We knew it was coming. Uh, but Lamb has completely taken over. I think he had, was it 12 or 14 targets this past week? Had like oh nine God. receptions. Uh, and, and you've got Gallup and Schultz, who are also still in, still in targets. Uh, Cooper, I've, I've seen, you know, he's still, he's still a threat for the, you know, the long ball down the field. Uh, but just as far as, as starting Cooper and expecting that wide receiver one, wide receiver two output, I think it's a thing of the past. I think you can play him in your flex and expect 10, you know, 10 points and under, uh, and maybe, you know, a, a two touchdown game or something. Uh, but as far as, you know, where Cooper's in the past has been a wide receiver one, uh, or two, I think that's the thing of the past. I think Lamb's taken over. I think they've got a good tight end in Schultz and I think Gallup just steals too many too many targets uh, to depend on Cooper for the, you know, for, for what you've depended on him for in the past. Yep. And that's the thing, man. Like, uh, I know Cooper has been my boy for the past couple of years. I think he was underutilized in Oakland a lot and then yep. went to Dallas and he's been kind of streaky in Dallas. You know, he'll have some games where he puts out there 30 something points, but then also some games where he only does like 10 
And but ever since Lamb's come in, uh, Lamb's uh, surgeons here and kind of uprising, it's been nice. Uh, I'm right there with you though, man. I think uh, Amari Cooper, if you got him once again, you got to start him. But on the same end, you're not expecting those wide receiver one numbers this week. Uh, so my must say it's kind of a, a lame one. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, I was just looking at the matchups this week and somebody that caught my eye here. Uh, my must sit for this week is going to be Zach Ertz tied in for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, ever since moving from Philly to Arizona midseason due to a trade, <laughs> Ertz has seen somewhat of a resurgence in the fantasy community. Uh, I'm in a couple of leagues where people actually trust him enough to roll him out on it every week as their plug and play tight end. Uh, the reason I'm sitting him, though, this week is mostly because the Arizona offense is actually starting to get their pieces back. Uh, Kyler Murray coming back last week, DeAndre Hopkins coming back last week, and the possible return of Chase Edmonds this week in the lineup after a short IR stunt. Uh, I'm expecting Ertz to be the odd man out. Uh, and also, the Cardinals are playing in a statement win game against the Rams on Monday night. And so I, I expect them to be looking the way of their studs and their playmakers, not to a tight end that got midseason. That's just kind of, eh, you know, he is what it is. And so I'm expecting big nights from DeAndre Hopkins, uh, expecting a decent night from uh, A.J. Green, from those running backs, and especially Kyler. I'm hoping for a, a good night from him too. Uh, but, yeah, that's our must-start, must-sit for the week. I uh, hope you guys take these advice with caution. Uh, like I said, we are not fantasy analysts, so do not take these things to stone, but just kind of give you our opinions and expectations on the matter. Uh, so moving forward, I want to take this time to thank our listeners, man. Uh, we have a good core group following here. When we started this podcast, we legitimately thought it was only going to be listened to by people of our 10-team Dynasty League. And so to be getting more reviews than that every single week, and just for the support that you guys have, we genuinely appreciate you guys. Uh, we look forward to just, man, producing these episodes each and every week just for the sake of, you know, listening, uh, getting the content out there, kind of two guys just talking about fantasy football together. Uh, Marcus, will you thank the Plowboy Radio uh, podcast for me, man? Yeah, yeah, we want to thank Plowboy Radio as they always give us a shout-out each week. Uh, great, great uh, podcast. Go check out Ben, Derek, and Bradley as they bring to you uh, great talks about theology and the bible everything jesus uh you know if you just want to you want to get your bible fixed for a little while go over and give them a listen and they've always got some cool takes and some things that's gonna make you laugh too so uh, go over and check them out yep and we want to thank our other favorite podcast jab step fantasy basketball podcast uh our league mate ben mccarthy started this podcast and it is a solo podcast done specifically by him uh, he has actually started a fancy basketball uh, league that me and Adam Graham, fellow Legion of Doom league make is in. And, uh, man, Ben knows tons about the NBA. Uh, somebody that keeps up with all the games, watches a ton of them, goes to some of them. Uh, but, man, if you're if you're wanting just some, some basketball content, if you're into that, go give our boy Ben a listen over at Jab Step Fantasy Basketball Podcast. And so, Marcus, let's jump into we've, this. We've got a – Oh, go ahead. Well, I got I got a special request too. Speaking of the of the Jab Step podcast, is our fellow Legion of uh, Doom mate wanted to, to make mention that Ben got beat this week he by did. Adam in y'all's fantasy basketball league. He did, and that's a that's something. Oh, that ben, out of all those people, basically what it is is that Ben just started this league uh, made up of a bunch of pickup ball players that we used to play against and play with, uh, and then there's Adam who never once went and played pickup ball with us and uh out of the 12 teams that are in it me and adam are kind of the two that have no idea what we're doing 
don't watch any <laughs> basketball at all, but yet we know enough about fantasy to where like we're still sitting up there like at three seed, four seed, five seed, I think. And so it's been it's yep. been interesting. And with uh with Adam beating Ben this week, that's what me and Ben were on the phone about earlier. Is that he's like, man, he's like, I've never seen a team put up those numbers like like Adam did this past week. And so, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy week, man. All right. So we're going to jump into our week 13 Legion of Doom matchup recap at this time. Our home dynasty league, Legion of Doom, is made up of a variety of people. We have close friends, a father-son duo, brothers-in-laws, preachers, and deacons. We all got together and play in a 10-team, one-quarterback PPR dynasty league that we started back in January of last year. So each week we'll recap our matchups in a brief format that will still be enjoyable to the average listener. We'll talk studs and duds of each matchup as well. So uh, let's start. Let's uh, take a look at our standings before week 13. In the top spot, we have Robbie, uh, RKO, sitting at 8-4. and four. Kelby's rock bottom in the second spot at 8-4. and four. Uh, Derek's Mandible Claw in the third spot at 8-4. and four. BJ Sweet Chin Music in the fourth spot at 7-5. and five. Greg's Brogue Kick, 6-6 six and six at the fifth spot. Sixth spot is Mitchell's Burter Breaker, sitting at 6-6. Six and six. In the seventh spot, you got Landon's Diamond Cutter trying to fight his way back in the playoffs at five and seven. Uh, Marcus Stinger Splash at five and seven, uh, setting in the eighth spot. Ninth spot is held down by Ben Stinkface at four and eight. And tenth spot, uh, Adams Hitman Sharpshooter at three and nine. Uh, so before we get into the, the matchups, BJ, do you want to break down some of these trades that took place over this last week? Yeah, man. So I know in Dynasty League, there's a big controversy on should you have trade deadlines and whatnot. Uh, in Legion of Doom, we have a week 13 trade deadline. Uh, and so with it, we've kind of we've been active all year with our trades, not just a ton, but also not not just a few either. Uh, but this week, I think we had a record breaking number. We actually had eight total trades get accepted this past week from Tuesday night all the way up to Sunday night right after the matchups. And so on Tuesday night, uh, we talked about this trade last week during the podcast, but uh, in the trade, we had Adam receive a 2022 early second and a 2022 mid late third. And me, BJ, received Daryl Henderson. Uh, We talked about this trade last week, so I'm not going to get much into it, but basically it just gave me a running back to kind of help with my playoff chances uh, with Dalvin Cook being injured. That obviously helped me out a lot last week as Daryl Henderson was a surprise uh, goose egg. Uh, when Sonny Michelle got the bulk of the carries, but I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Uh, so we won't get into that trade much. The following day on Wednesday, December the 1st, we had another trade go down between Kelby and Robbie. Kelby received Mike Evans and a 22 late fourth, and Robbie received Amari Cooper and a 2022 late second. I thought this was a good trade on both ends. Uh, you have two older wide receivers who were just swapping teams, basically, and then getting a fourth round and a second round swap. Uh, for me, honestly, I don't know which side of this I would prefer. Uh, it's one where it's kind of hit or miss on both of them to where Amari Cooper may come out and put you the same amount of points that Mike Evans does, so who really knows? Uh, I think it's good for both teams, though, a very, very fair trade. What do you think, Marcus? Uh, I think it's it's right right on. I like Evans more as a player, uh, and that's just for the next few years because of uh, Tom Brady, of course, uh, which Dak's a great quarterback. Yep. But to get that second-round pick, throw it in there it it evens it out uh probably one of the you know probably one of the better trades i've seen go through in the last few days 
And, man, that's one of those things, too, to where Mike Evans can go out with only three catches but get three touchdowns for three yards yep. and have a monster game. He's a red zone monster. He is, man. So, after that, uh, we had another trade go down that afternoon, another trade that Robbie was involved in. And uh, so, Robbie received Elijah Mitchell and the 2022 mid-late second. And me, BJ, received Aaron Jones. Uh, I ain't going to lie, this is a trade that uh, I was surprised that, that we worked out and stuff because I was not expecting to get Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones here. Uh, the only reason that I did is because I feel like like, yeah, they may go to a split backfield and stuff like that, but Aaron Jones is still going to be a, a running back there for the next couple of years, that contract extension they just gave him. Uh, but, man, it hurt me to give up Elijah Mitchell, uh, that San Francisco running back. Uh, I know that he's going to be the running back of the future. I'm just – it's kind of hard for me to tell what's going to happen uh, as far as going forward with him. But, I, once again, I think this is a trade good for both sides. It gives Robbie a little bit of uh, more draft capital for next year, getting his second – second round pick in one day. Uh, but it also gives him a younger running back core as well, moving from Aaron Jones to Elijah Mitchell in that rookie contract. Yep. Uh, and then on Thursday, we had a trade made <coughs> that was a talk of the league. <coughs> Basically, we had a trade made for, uh, for Cooper Cup that sparked discussion from the league. After a day of looking at bylaws, instituting a league vote, and going back and forth conversation, the managers involved agreed it was best to just trade the players back and move forward. It was a testing time for the league, as this was the first time we ever had to deal with something like this. But some changes to the bylaws are being made in the near future, uh, just to make these matters easier to handle. And so the trade hereby mentioned was this. Ben received Michael Thomas, Curtis Samuel, a 23 second and a 24 second, and Derek received Cooper Cup. Like I said, uh, some people thought this trade was lopsided just because Cooper Cup was the wide receiver one on the year. Uh, but honestly, it's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, both teams decided that they would just trade those players back. Uh, we're going to talk here shortly about Ben getting a better deal uh, for Cooper Cup. And so with it, I think it all works out at the end of the day. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Marcus? Nope. Awesome. Uh, and so immediately after that, there was another trade made on Thursday between Adam and BJ. Uh, Adam received Brandon Ayuk and LaVisca Chenault, and BJ received DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, in this trade, I'll be honest with you, I was just looking to get a, a stud wide receiver to compete with Derek because I thought he just got Cooper Cup. Uh, I didn't want to trade away Brandon Ayuk or LaVisca Chenault, but it was one of those where I was willing to kind of to make a playoff run. I was willing to uh, – give up a couple of those young pieces that could be studs. Uh, what do you think about DeAndre Hopkins going forward, Marcus? Uh, he's injury prone, man. And that I say that I own Hopkins in several leagues. Uh, I wish I had him in this league to have the Hopkins Murray stack. Uh, but I think for the next two years, you won the trade big time because I you so wishy-washy. Uh, but in you know, four to five years, I don't know if Hopkins still playing. I, he, he, he just seems like to me one of those guys who, you know, four or five years down the road could be like a, you know, like a Megatron to where he yeah. just says, look, my body can't take it anymore. I'm injured all, you know, uh, and, and, you know, he may not even be playing in four or five years to where I believe once they get that Jacksonville offense worked out, uh, Chenault is going to be a beast. And I think Ayuk has the potential to be a top five ten receiver. I just there's something. I started him this week. I think he ended up six or seven points in a dynasty league or a, a redraft league. And the dude just like he's got the potential to be one of the best receivers in the league. And you see that one week, and then next week, 
uh, you know, he, he looks like he would rather, you know, rather start anybody. So, yeah. uh, I think this was definitely a trade for you to compete this year. Uh, it's a great trade on your, on your behalf. And, and you never know. I mean, Hopkins could get healthy and, and be a stud for the next five, six years to come. Uh, but I think Adams, you know, he's going to have, have, you know, showing out of, out of IU and Chenault down the road as well. Yeah. It's one of the trades that I do believe helps both teams. Uh, yeah. with Adam trying to kind of do this little reload method that he's got going mm-hmm. on, I think is a trade that helps him out a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then on Saturday, we had two more trades go down. Uh, one was between Adam and Derek, and Adam received Kendrick Bourne. Derek received Devin Singletary. I don't even really want to talk about this trade. I'll be honest with you. Uh, in my opinion, there's two scrub pieces being traded back and forth, uh, and both of them may not have jobs next year. But as far as right now, uh, I think it's a, a decent trade. It just it's yeah. not It's not exciting. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't like the Bills running backs uh, because, man, McDermott, since he's been there, has been so wishy-washy on what back gets to start. Like Zach Moss, to me, uh, a couple years ago, I, I argued with people that, man, he was going to be a top 10 running back. And the dude, you watch him play, he's got the potential. Uh, he looks like a top 10 running back. But then, I mean, they, like he'll be a healthy scratch. Yep. Uh, and then, and then, as far as as you know, New England goes wide receiver core, and I may miss it, but I think they go out this year and draft two to three receivers uh, to get to get Matt Jones some some help because uh, you know he's he's got the he's got the tools in the backfield. Uh, he just needs some help out there at wide out. So, yep. hey, like you said, both ways, I don't look for either one of those guys to be relevant. You know, going forward dynasty you know three or four years down the road yeah i think at the end of the day Derek just needed a running back to plug in because he had melvin gordon going inactive uh and honestly i didn't really care too much for his team though because he still ended up beating me this coming up week or this past week uh and then on saturday afternoon i think we had the biggest trade go down all week uh what you had was ben actually trade away cooper cup and traded away to landon who was needing a wide receiver at the time because uh, Landon is on the verge of a playoff push. It's all going to come down to this week and see what happens. But Ben received A.J. Brown, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2023 second-round pick. Uh, I think this is a haul for Cooper Cup. I think it is a much better deal than the Michael Thomas, Curtis Samuel, and two seconds deal. Uh, but at the end of the day, I see why Landon made this trade, honestly. Uh, I think it's just one of those where Landon was sick of A.J. Brown, even though he's a Titans fan. And he needed a player now. And yeah. so, like I said, I get it. Uh, but I think that this actually helps Ben a lot uh, next year. I think now Ben is sitting at five first-round picks and also yeah. a top five, top seven wide receiver in A.J. Brown. And so that is also if A.J. Brown can stay healthy and if they get Ryan Tannehill working next year with Derrick Henry coming back. Yeah. Uh, what you take on it? Uh, I'm, you know, same way. I think Coop. Uh, uh, Cooper Cup is is definitely, you know, a stud. I think uh, Matthew Stafford made a huge difference uh, in his game. And uh, I know he's 28, 29-year-old, but he's still going to be relevant for the future. Uh, you know, you take that – they run kind of that same style offense that New England did. Uh, so, therefore, you know, Cup's a great ad. And, uh, of course, me being an Ole Miss fan, I love A.J. Brown. I think if he gets healthy – you know, he could be top five. I have one time, I think A.J. Brown was the number one dynasty receiver. 
yeah. uh, you know, on the on the rankings. Uh, and then, like you said, Ben is definitely uh, stacked when it comes to picks. And people say this is not going to be a great draft class. Uh, but when you've got five first-round picks, there's no way you're not going to strengthen your team. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, man. Uh, if you look at Ben's team, one of his biggest issues right now, uh, yes, he has a little bit of an issue at running back core. But at the end of the day, where his biggest issue is, is the wide receivers that are older are not really producing. And so what he's going to be able to do is use about three or four of those first-round picks and be able to go out yeah. there and get some solid, solid wide receivers, yep. uh, especially in this deep class coming up. Uh, but then our last trade of the week was made Sunday immediately following the games before the trade deadline ended at midnight. And it was a trade between me and Mitchell. Mitchell received Noah Fant, Devontae Smith, Damian Harris, and a 23-second and I received Travis Kelsey, T. Higgins, and Chuba Hubbard. Uh, in my opinion here, I got the upgrade at tight end going from Noah Fant to Travis Kelsey, even though Kelsey is 32 years old and Fant's only like 24, 25, I think. Uh, Devontae Smith and T. Higgins, in my opinion, honestly, I think T. Higgins now is the better wide receiver. I think uh, as far as them overall, they're really just a push. Uh, it kind of depends on if Devontae Smith can get better quarterback play in the future because I think he has that top 12 upside. Uh, and then, obviously, I lost the running back uh, depth here, giving up Damian Harris in a 23-second for Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is basically just going to be a starter this year, and then if McCaffrey goes down next year, he'll be a starter as well, but we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. This is a trade, once again, to where I, I looked at the playoff teams. I looked at my chances of getting in, and I just basically had to sit there and make some moves to try to compete this year. Uh, so now I'm sitting here looking at my next draft pick being a 23 first and a 23 third and fourth, and then that's it. And so uh, it's going to be a tough couple of years, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to to get win now, I guess. Uh, what's your take on this, Marcus? Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, Kelsey is a stud. Uh, like you said, Fant with the quarterback is going to be about the same. I do like T. Higgins more now and probably going forward because uh, I don't think the Eagles are going to make an immediate change at quarterback. And I don't think, you know, I don't think Hurts is, is the guy that you want uh, for your stud receiver. I do think, you know, big time, and you know that you lost uh, on the running back area. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Harris is going to be the guy there for, for a little while to come. And uh, Chubba Hubbard. I think uh, is it Abdullah? How do you say his name? Has oh, already Abdullah. yeah, Abdul has already stolen some carries uh, from him, and and honestly looks like a, a better back going forward. But you know, you knew when you when you traded for Hubbard that it was a you know a, a couple week thing, and then when you look at your team, you don't you don't really need him anyway. I mean, it's going to be a flex option for you, so uh, yeah. pr- pretty fair trade. Awesome. All right, man. Let's get into these matchups and run through this thing, Mark. All right. Uh, first matchup of the week, you got Adams Hitman Sharpshooter setting at three and nine versus Robbie's RKO at eight and four. Robbie already clinched the playoff berth. He's uh, looked to continue his dominance as the number one seed as he faced off against Adam. Uh, top performers for Hitman Sharpshooter was Elijah Moore with 20 points and Jerry Judy with 11 points. Top disappointments for Hitman Sharpshooter was the rest of his team as they fell below double digits. Uh, Everett with negative one, Marvin Jones with only three, Trevor Lawrence with five, and Bernard only had two points. Your top performers for RKO was Matthew Stafford with 31, Deontay Johnson with 30, Devontae Freeman with 20, Elijah Mitchell with 17, Van Jefferson with 16. 
And the disappointments for RKO uh, was Ezekiel Elliott with six, Foster Monroe with four, and Adam Thielen with one uh, after going down with an injury. Final score, RKO 134 over Hitman Sharpshooter with only 62. Uh, So what happened to Hitman Sharpshooter? He started off hot with the most points in week one and the Legion of Doom, but since he's only won two games and fallen to last place. What would you attribute this downfall, and uh, how do you turn the team around going forward? Well, man, I've been looking at Adam's team a lot over the past couple of weeks, and uh, he's, he is making some moves for his future. We're getting Ayuk and Schnault and people like that. Uh, but honestly, if I had to attribute just the change of his of his team this past year and what he had high potential coming out of the draft and everything, I would say injuries and just players that he drafted high are not performing has hurt his chances this year. Uh, Mahomes was drafted by him as a quarterback one, and he has not produced as such all year. Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hopkins were drafted in the first two rounds and were looking to be a deadly duo for him, but yet they haven't shown to perform like that draft capital consistently. Chase Edmonds went down to an injury late in the year, and George Kittle has had his own and off weeks all season. Uh, The good news, though, for Adams' team is that he has a ton of second and thirds for the next two years. I totaled them up, Marcus, okay? I want you to just guess. How many second-round, third-round, and fourth-round picks do you think this dude has for the next two years? Mm, I say five. He has two seconds, eight thirds, eight (laughs) And two fourth-round picks. Uh, He has a chance to build some solid depth at his positions. The only thing that worries me is is that I'm afraid he may be lacking in consistent top players to produce. If I was him, honestly, uh, I would probably go ahead and be shopping around Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill uh, until the rookie draft, just seeing what he can get out of them. But if I know Adam, and if we know Adam, there's always a method to the chaos, and I'm sure he's got something that works long-term. Uh, I know for me, uh, during the offseason, there's going to be a lot, a lot of moves being made by a lot of teams trying to get to where they want to be next year. And so I'm sure Adam has a couple already in the works there. Uh, anything you want to say before we move into the second matchup? Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we know Adam's played played fantasy football for a long time, and he's, uh, he's going to turn it around. Uh, I mean, he, you know, starting the year, I look for Adam to be one of the teams to beat. And, uh, and of course, he's had a rough year. We all have. Uh, injuries has been crazy. And I think Adam's biggest thing, like you said, is he put a lot of stock in Mahomes and Hill, and they haven't produced. So, uh, you know, going forward, uh, he's, he's going to turn around. I, I look for, for the Chiefs to turn around. Like I said, I think Mahomes and Hill are still both great players, and uh, they're, they're going to get back on the, on the right path. And I hope so. And then our second matchup of the week, we had Landon's Diamond Cutter sitting at five and seven versus Marcus's Stinger Splash at five and seven. Diamond Cutter looks to continue his miraculous comeback season by facing off against the number seven seed Stinger Splash. Top performers of Diamond Cutter was Cooper Cup, 27 fantasy points. Good trade, Landon. Josh Jacobs, 24 fantasy points. Keenan Allen, 22 fantasy points. And Rob Gronkowski, 21 fantasy points. Top disappointments for Diamond Cutter was Josh Allen, 12 fantasy points, Jamal Williams, 8 fantasy points, and Mark Ingram, 3 fantasy points. Top performers for Stinger Splash was Kyler Murray, finally coming back, 32 fantasy points. Amon Ra St. Brown, 24 fantasy points. Good start, Marcus. Antonio Gibson, 22 fantasy points. Top disappointments for Stinger Splash was Chase Claypool, 8, Naeem Hines, 8, Pat Fryermuth, 7, Brian Edwards, 6, and Rex Burkhead, 5. 
The final score was Diamond Cutter 157, Stinger Splash 126. Uh, so, Marcus, conversation piece real quick, man. What are you doing with Rob Gronkowski right now in Dynasty if you aren't competing anymore? Uh, are you looking to sell him while he's still currently playing as a tight end win? Uh, yet, and honestly, if you kind of look at Gronkowski, he could actually call it quits at any moment. Well, I, And so, I, what are you doing with him? I've actually been shopping him. Uh, I'm And I'm somewhat out right outside the playoffs in, uh, in our Yellowstone League. And I've got Gronk and uh, – He's the only tight end on my team, and I've tried to do some trading. I've tried, you know, but the people at the top also have pretty decent tight ends, uh, which that's a two point two two PPR uh, tight end league. And uh, so, I mean, I, I honestly, same thing I'm doing in that league. I'm trying to get rid of him, uh, you know, trying trying to get the most I can get out of him. I actually, I've uh, been trying to do that, at, at, you know, as we speak. Hopefully, before this podcast comes out and people listens to it. Uh, I honestly think you're trying to get all you can get out of Gronk. Uh, but now, that's only if you're not competing. I think if you're competing, you hang on to him to the end of the year. And, uh, you know, you hope nothing crazy comes out, you know, in the off season, and you maybe can trade him still then. Uh, but, you know, Rob Gronkowski can win you a fantasy championship because when the dude's on the field, you know, he's going to get the ball and he's going to get touchdowns. So, I mean, you look at Landon's team at Legion of Doom. That's kind of yep. what's helping him. Get yep. these dubs here lately. Yep. Uh, so Landon me, was able to to trade away Waller, you yep. know, because he had he had uh, Gronk. So, all right. So, what's the best offer you got for him right now in Yellowstone? I really haven't got much of anything. Uh, I, I've shopped him, and you know, I've tried to include him in trades, and you know, no nobody wants him. Which now my team in that league is my tight ends are trash. Other than Gronk, like my yeah, having, next, having my Robert next, Tunyon go down kind of hurt. Yeah, Tunyon, Tunyon going down killed me. And then my next guy up is Dole, which you know he'll put you up a, a fifteen point game with the two two PPR every now and then. Uh, but other than that, it's you know it's slim pickings. And I've tried, you know, I like I said, I can still make the playoffs. I was actually looking. I think if I win this week, and there's somebody else that's got to lose, I can I can make the playoffs in that league. Now I don't really have the team to make a run. Uh, but I hate to trade Gronk away, but, you know, before that, uh, but, you yeah. know, I also need to move him and, and prepare for the future. So real quick, BJ, that's not, this is not on our, on our show doc. And I know it was a, a late touchdown, but what, what do you think about St. Brown for Detroit going forward? Man, I had a trade offer for him this past week in, uh, in Yellowstone actually to where I think it was me and Rob talking and Rob yeah. had sent me a almond raw and I think a third for Devonte or for uh, Darnell Mooney. And I looked at it for a little bit, uh, but man, I'm high on Mooney. Yeah, and I wouldn't do it for Mooney. <clears throat> I'm expecting him to be a wide receiver one in the next year or two. Uh, but Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he's got potential. Uh, the only thing that worries me though is that team is that team's about to go into a rebuild uh, yeah. all around Swift and Hawkinson. And with that being said, Amon Ra, I think he's going to be a good wide receiver two or three on that team. But eventually, they're going to have to get some studs out there. Uh, yeah. Not only that, but you've had Quintez Cephas uh, on IR mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And so even though he just produced a 24-point game at the end of the day, like I think he's going to be one of those, hey, my player's on a bye week. Let me throw Amon yeah. Rye in, and he'll get you yeah. some points. Uh, honestly, though, he could end up being like a Hunter Renfro. And yeah. even though he's not like a, a stud, and even though he doesn't get the attention as others, he could still very easily be in a, a nice little death piece there. We got Ben Stinkface sitting at four and eight uh, versus uh, Greg's Broke Kick at six and six. 
Uh, Road Kick took to the thir- uh, week 13 matchup to put Stink Face out of his misery and finish the season for good. So the top performers uh, for Stink Face was Joe Burrow with 17, Saquon Barkley somewhat uh, getting back in the in the thick of things with 13. Uh, but the top disappointments come as Kenyon Drake put up one, Cortland Sutton with three, and Ty Johnson with only three. Top performers for Brogue Kick was David Montgomery going off with 28 points, Jonathan Taylor uh, being the stud that he is with 23, Jimmy Garoppolo, who he traded for a couple weeks ago, uh, putting up 21 points, Tyler Lockett with 19. Disappointments was uh, Miles Gaskins with only six. Is it the odd week again, BJ? Or the even week. Oh, he is <laughs> Christian he is Kirk now. Oh, is it? It's it's yep. it's it's switched. And Christian Kirk only put up one. Uh, Bro kick took the win though. One thirty-seven over Stinkface, sixty-seven. So uh, BJ with David Montgomery coming through this week with twenty-eight points, looking like he's back to his old self. Where do you got him ranked in Dynasty, and how much do you trust him going forward? For me, it's not necessarily not trusting him. I just don't trust that offense. Uh, currently, I have him ranked around that wide, uh, that running back 18, 19, 20 range around running backs like CEH, Josh Jacobs, ETN, and Akers. Uh, I think he has the potential to crack the running back 15 range before the end of the year, depending on how he finishes and if he finishes strong like he did last season. Yeah. Uh, however, this offense is just hard to trust, man. Uh, he honestly looked like the only bright spot of that offense, and I'm just waiting for them. I'm wa- I'll tell you what, Marcus. I'm waiting for three things to happen, okay? I'm waiting for Justin Fields to actually take over the Rams as a healthy and ready quarterback one for the team. Don't know when that'll be. It'll probably end up being next season, but when that happens, I think it's going to boost all the offensive players once he feels comfortable. Number two, I'm waiting for Darnell Mooney to start getting the opportunities that he deserves. Uh, do, like Allen Robinson has been hurt the past two weeks, Darnell Mooney. Uh, one week will have 25 points. Next week will have six points. I'm waiting on him to be the target monster of that team. And then the very last thing that I need to happen is I need Matt Nagy to get fired. Uh, once those three things fall into place, I would trust that offense so much more. There's uh-huh. just – I've I've, I've heard that the well the fans in Chicago are actually uh, currently trying to hack Nagy's emails to see if he's ever you know been talking to John Gruden any man Uh, he's horrible they gotta do something dude the dude has never done anything like look at every job he's ever had and I mean how do you get a head coaching job with that resume he's turning into Bill O'Brien. Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I don't know that, you know, we already even, you know, put Bill O'Brien in that category. Man. I mean, he's horrible. They're just – that offense is so young right now, man, and they don't have much direction from their head coach. Uh, that It's hard for me to put Monty in that running back one, running back two range where he deserves because he's got the talent and he's got – he's a beast when he's out there, man. But it's just that, that, that whole offense is in shambles right now and you can't really do much with it. Uh, I want him to go out there and produce. I want him to be a beast. Uh, I actually had a trade offer today from Adam in Yellowstone, and he wanted me to send him Christian McCaffrey for David Montgomery in a second. And mm. it was it was tempting because it would give me a playoff push for now. But on the yeah. same hand, like I I don't I don't want a lot of Chicago Bears teams or players mm. on my team right now. Uh, yeah. And plus, I'm I'm not really going to make a playoff run anyway, so I'm kind of holding holding McCaffrey. Yeah, I don't blame you. But uh, the next matchup, we had Kelby's Rock Bottom sitting at 8-4 and four versus Mitchell's Vertebraker at 6-6. Six and six. After making some blockbuster trades over the past three weeks, Rock Bottom seems to be one of the crowd favorites to make a championship run. 
However, Vertebreaker was standing in his way, uh, waiting for this exciting Week 13 matchup. Top performers for Rock Bottom was Justin Jefferson, 36 fantasy points. Still my dynasty wide receiver one. Tom Brady, 36 fantasy points. Alexander Madison, 21 fantasy points. I hate that I didn't get him as a handcuff to Dallin Cook. Jalen Waddle, 18 fantasy points. I hate that I chose Devontae Smith and a bunch of leagues over him. Uh, top disappointments for Rock Bottom was DK Metcalf with nine fantasy points. And that was it. Top performers for Vertebreaker, though, was T. Higgins, 28 fantasy points. Javante Williams, 28 fantasy points, getting the sole work there in Denver. Kirk Cousins, 24 fantasy points. Top disappointments for Vertebreaker, though, was Terry McCorn, five fantasy points. Travis Kelsey, five fantasy points. Zach Ertz, two. And James Robinson, one. The final score was Rock Bottom, 177. Vertebreaker, 115. So, Marcus. I know the hype is real right now with Javante Williams. Uh, dude has put up two monster weeks back-to-back. My personal question to you, man, is it time to sell at peak value? Man, it's tough. Uh, Gordon, is he on a one-year contract? They could either give him a contract extension. like The option. Mm-hmm, or yep. he's gone. And, and honestly, you know, it, it – it's whatever you think is going to happen with Gordon. If you think Gordon's gone, you keep Williams because uh, the dude is a stud. And, you know, he's if he gets the soul work like you've seen over the last couple of weeks, he can, you know, hang right there with, with some of your top uh, running backs. He's a RB1, no doubt. Uh, if they, you know, if they keep uh, Melvin Gordon, then you probably want to sell him because, you know, for some reason – uh, they, which Gordon's not that old, uh, but they, they can continue to split the carries when they're both healthy. Uh, so I think it's whatever you think Denver's going to do with, with Melvin Gordon. You know, like I said, if he's, if Gordon's gone, you keep Williams. If you think Gordon's coming back, you may want to sell him. But honestly, within the next year or two, Gordon is going to be gone for sure. And it's Williams' time to shine. So, yeah. And I, the reason I brought this question up, Marcus, is because I've sold him twice in the past two weeks uh, for stud older running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I regret it every single time that I've done it so far. Uh, but also the reason I brought this up is I'm, I'm big on like fancy Twitter and I have a bunch of analysts and stuff that I kind of keep in contact, not keep in contact with, but just follow. And in doing so, man, uh, there is a website out there called keep trade cut uh, that has their own rankings and they kind of base mm-hmm. it off of uh, players rankings and stuff. And so what they do is they have fantasy football players come in and rank their players, and then they have a consensus little uh, rankings mm-hmm. they do. And right now, Javante Williams is dynasty wide receiver or dynasty running back four in their rankings. Yeah. And so he's up there with Jonathan Taylor, with Christian yeah. McCaffrey, with all of them. And so, so that's that's why I brought the question up. Yeah, y'all all make fun of me, but for years, which I've been playing, you know, for oh my goodness, twenty something years. And uh, I've always, and I don't know how, when I actually picked up on this, but you've got WalterFootball.com. That's my, my fantasy secret, you know, which if you've, if you've uh, seen my Legion of Doom record, you probably, probably don't listen to me, but that guy is so high on Williams. Uh, he loves him. And, and, and of course, you know, I listen to a lot of what he's got to say. He's got certain guys though, that you'll, you know, that you look at and he'll be like, they're trash. They're steadily putting up 10 points a week, but uh, you know, he's been around a long time and he, he's really high on Javante Williams. Uh, so, you know, 
I like I like what he has to say about him. Uh, I don't think I own him in in one league. Uh, I don't anymore. But I wished I did. Yep. <laughs> you and wish you did too. <laughs> I know, man. I could be making playoffs in a bunch of leagues right now. Uh, yeah. No, but at, at the end of the day, Marcus, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Do you know what this situation reminds me of? Uh, the Green Bay situation, Aaron Jones yeah. and A.J. Dillon. Yeah, and true. The, the only thing that I'm worried about is in Legion of Doom, I drafted A.J. Dillon in the offseason in the sixth round. And the reason I did that is because I wanted the guy to be the running back one for Green Bay. And I said, I suspected that. But Aaron Jones came back, got re-signed, all went to heck and back. Uh, yeah. But at, uh, when I look back and think on it, I think that's the reason I sold him, uh, Javante Williams, is because I don't want to get my hopes up and think, man, this guy's going to be a top five running back next year. And he's yeah. going to win me leagues. But on the same hand, all it's going to take is Melvin Gordon coming back, them yep. not getting a quarterback and going another year with Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. Then, then what are you doing? Then you're sitting there with a running back that's giving you 12 points a week, and you're yeah. like, eh, it's okay. Well, I mean, you, you've got that RB1, that uh, possible RB1 that's just taking up, you know, room on your bench because you can't start him and you've got all that, you know, you got all that yep. uh, tied up in him. Uh, same way, like you said, with, with Dylan. I, I actually, man, I've I've fluctuated so much on him. Uh, I I tried to trade, could have traded him back before Jones got hurt for a for a first round draft pick, and and didn't bite on it. And then Jones gets hurt, and you see what you know. Now I kind of wished I would have, but then as Jones starts to get healthy, and they split carries again, you know, oh. you're you're never going to be able to win with with uh you know if you've got him in the flex, you're fine, but you're never going to be able to win with either one of those guys in RB1, RB2, uh, mm-hmm. and they're splitting carries. Because at each week, uh, you know, in Denver, both of those guys, you know, can can handle the goal line work, but you don't know which one of them is going to get it. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. Melvin Gordon is still good, and I think he's proven that this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once again, man, it's just that offense. They have weapons and yeah. stuff, but they're going to have to do something. Yeah, I so, mean, like you said, they get they get Aaron Rodgers. It's, I mean, it's a it's a completely different ball game in Denver. So, yep. all right, Marcus, take us into this main event, man. Let's uh, let's knock this main event of the week out. We got the meeting of the ministers. You got BJ Sweet Chin Music at seven and five versus Derek's Mandible Claw at eight and four. Uh, in this week thirteen matchup, we'll see two teams in the stop top four of the standings face off as one youth pastor goes toe-to-toe with his head pastor. Uh, the two ministers will face off in this match. It's sure to be a revelation of playoff implications. Top performers for Sweet Chin Music is Chris Godwin with 30, C.D. Lamb with 19, Lamar Jackson with 18, Najee Harris with 15. Top disappointments was Devontae Smith with only three points, Rashad Bateman with zero, and Daryl Henderson with zero. Top performers for Mandible Claws, Justin Herbert with 35, playoff Lenny with 22, Russell Gage with 21, Hunter Renfro with 19. Top disappointments for Mandible Claw was Stephon Diggs with nine points, Emmanuel Sanders with five points, and Devin Singletary with three points. That Buffalo uh, windstorm tore him up. But he still managed to pull out the win with 147 over Sweet Chin Music's 105. Uh, so, BJ, is Justin Herbert a top five dynasty quarterback right now? All right, Marcus, I'm going to answer this question, then I got a return question for you, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, Justin Herbert is a top five dynasty quarterback right now. Uh, I think he's right at five, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I still got top tier quarterbacks being Mahomes, Allen, Kyler. Uh, after them, honestly, I'm putting Dak. And then after Dak, I've got Herbert and Lamar and Joe Burrow right there. Uh, yeah. The reason Herbert is actually already at five spot for me is because he is young. He has tons of weapons on that offense, and their offense knows what they're doing right now. And so Herbert could come out and get you 35 points just like he did Derek this week. Uh, can we say that about Lamar sometimes right now? Probably not. Uh, so with it, Herbert, he's got the potential to be a stud. He's got, like, I just watched him play this past week. Derek, Derek takes me as he was playing against me, and Derek's like, man, this is the first time I've actually gotten to sit down and watch Justin Herbert. And he's like, this guy is going to be a monster. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right, because he has the weapons there. He knows what to do. And, th- like, the pressure is not just solely on him. Instead, he can throw it up to Keenan Allen, to Mike Williams, mm-hmm. hand the ball off to Austin Eckler, throw it out of the backfield, whatever. And so as of right now, I do think he's right there at five for me. Uh, what's your take on it? And then I got a question to ask you. Uh, I, I think the same way. I put a ton of stock in, uh, of course, Robbie. Uh, he's got the dynasty league that we're all in. And uh, and I got Herbert in it and, uh, and put a ton of stock in Herbert. Now, about middle ways to the season, he had a couple weeks there where he, he wasn't doing much of anything. It caused me to drop about halfway down the league, and, and I'm struggling trying to make playoffs. So, I mean, I hope Herbert turns out to, to be what I – you know, the, the draft stock that I put in him, uh, and I, I think he can do that. It's like you said, I mean, he's got everything that he needs, and I think the thing that helps him the most, uh, you know, there with the Chargers is having Austin Eckler. He has got yep. – to me – I, I think Eckler is probably the best safety valve in the league. Uh, that I think dude, he's one of the most underrated running backs. He he's definitely the most underrated, uh, you know, PPR or dynasty running back. I actually tried to trade for him today, <laughs> which uh, I I didn't send a, a ton for him, but uh, tried to start low and get some counters. But you know, I think Eckler he's probably the most underrated. But as far as a safety valve, and and he he doesn't miss on blocking. To be a smaller guy, you know, yep. when he's needed to pass block, he does. He and that's what makes him so dangerous is you think he's fixing to, you know, stick back there and block and he, he, you know, eases out to the side and it goes for 20, 25 yards. So uh, I think that's really the, uh, you know, you can watch the games where Eckler's been healthy and where Eckler's been out or hurt. And Justin, Justin Herbert is a different quarterback with Eckler there by his side. All right. So my question for you, Marcus, I had this come up this past week. Uh, our Legion of Doom league mate, Robbie, me and him was discussing a trade. And uh, now I'm, I'm tempted on it, and it's something that, that we may end up working out, but I'm not quite sure how I feel. So I want to talk about it on the podcast today, okay? Because uh, I know this this podcast will come out after I decide what I want to do. And so, Robbie, you can listen to this for my uh, my takes on the matter. Uh, in Robbie's Ballers League, which is a Superflex League, I've got C.D. Lamb. He's got Jamar Chase. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that the top three dynasty wide receivers is Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase. Not specifically in that order, but, you know, they're, they're the top three right now. If I had my choice of the matter, I'd get Justin Jefferson just because I like the talent. Uh, but with that being said, uh, me and Robbie's been talking out, and he said that he would be okay with a Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb swap uh, straight up. And so with it, what did I do? I went to uh, Facebook and put a poll up in a uh, dynasty uh, community that I like to follow. And in doing so, it was split right down the middle, man, 50-50. Uh, some of it could be recency bias with CeeDee Lamb having a monster game and Jamar Chase not really having a, a great game. But, Marcus, 
if you had C.D. Lamb, would you trade him straight up right now in Dynasty for Jamar Chase? No. All right. What's your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, and, and you're going to get it, you know, for me, because I hate the Cowboys, and I've never liked Cowboys players on my fantasy team. Uh, I've got Lamb in two other leagues, and it would be it would be awful hard to get him. It would take a Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, I, I think Lamb, with that going forward, and I think Chase is a stud, and we've seen what he can do earlier in the year. But I've said, even in the preseason, you know, with all the negative things about him, you you still, you know, when you look at the receivers next to Lamb, he is miles ahead of the, like I said, with yep. Cooper, with Gallup. I think T. Higgins is right there with Chase. I think I think he can he can do the same things that Chase can do, other than maybe you know take the top off the defense the way Chase does it. Uh, but I think Higgins is so close to Chase that it you know you can go Walk either way. Yeah, I actually could have traded. I had Chase in a, in a redraft league, which is you know his value is not as much as as a dynasty. Uh, and I could have traded him right before the trade deadline for Devontae Adams yep. and didn't do it for, for one. Uh, I thought, you know, I think Chase was still produced, uh, but it, it was with Greg, which, of course, he's in this league too, my son. I didn't want everybody to think, oh, you know, you're taking advantage of, of us trading with him last minute. Uh, but honestly, if I had it do over again, that, that is, it's, it's a big difference. It's a, it's a redraft, but I would have, I would have traded if it had been anybody, but Greg, I would have traded chase for, yeah. for Devonte Adams. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at, man. Cause like, I, I like chase and I like the potential and the upside and stuff, but man, my favorite player in the NFL right now is CD lamb. And yeah. I don't know what it is. Cause I, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Cowboys or anything. I don't really have a particular NFL fan base but at the end of the day like i just i like lamb's complete style he doesn't yeah. have to go deep and get you no. a 80 yard touchdown but at the same hand he can earn his living going 30 yard routes 40 yard routes stuff like that yeah, if, and, if i if i had to compare lamb to somebody uh it would be it'd be Devontae adams he can do it all you know he can yeah. play out of the slot he can play out wide he can go short he can go slant uh, and he can beat you deep, you know, if you ain't careful. Uh, Lamb can he, – he is, you know, what do they call the five-tool baseball player? That's that's Lamb when it comes to football as a receiver. He can do he can do anything he needs to do. Yeah, and I agree with that. So, I don't know, it's just a trade that I've been kind of trying to think out. I still haven't made my mind up yet, uh, but honestly, i got 24 hours before this podcast <laughs> releases, and so, Robbie, I'll let you know something, man. Uh, and so, Marcus, get us through these current standings of Legion of Doom real quick. Where are we sitting All right. We go in current standings. We still got Robbie sitting at the top at nine and four. Second place, Kelby at nine and four, and Derek at nine and four and third. All right, let's head uh, off right there, Marcus. The I'm gonna remind the listeners: these three teams are the only three teams, even as of right now, that are secured into the playoffs. Okay, mm-hmm. and so them three nine and four teams are the only ones that are guaranteed. Now, with this coming up week, these three teams are going to be vital, vital matchups that they're in. Because we have two bye weeks here that they are fighting for. Not two bye mm-hmm. weeks, but two bye spots. And mm-hmm. uh, they are fighting for that. So just keep that in mind. Go ahead, Mark. Yep. Uh, Greg's Road Kicks sitting at four, seven and six. BJ Sweet Chin Music sitting at five uh, with seven and six. Landon's Diamond Cutter working his way back into the playoffs at six and seven. Mitchell's Vertebreaker right outside trying to get back in the playoffs at six and seven, sitting at the seven spot. You got me 
at eight, Ben at nine, Adam at 10, who are all eliminated from the playoffs. Yep. So that's, that's basically where we're at, man. You have the top Robbie, Kelby, Derek, who are solid and are just looking forward to seeing how this week plays out for, for playoff implications with bye weeks. And then at the bottom, you have Marcus, Ben and Adam. Uh, I think, uh, they, they, like you said, they're eliminated out of playoff contention. Uh, with that being said, their their seasons are far from over because y'all have a really, really good chance of playing spoiler this week. And so uh, with it, you have our middle tier here. You have Greg at four, BJ at five, Landon at six, and Mitchell at seven. I've done the math, and any one of those four teams can miss the playoffs, any one of them. Uh, so that brings us to our next week's matchups. What we do is we have two matchups that are just regular matchups, and then we have a special thing. So we have Rock Bottom versus Stinger Splash in week 14, uh, and then we have Mandible Claw versus Stink Face in week 14. Uh, All right, the so, reason- BJ, go I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. You've got Ben, who had to change his name and change Derek's season and their matchup of, of uh, Ben had to be rebranded as Stink Face. Who can possibly beat Derek this week? and keep him from getting that first round by. So while that's a regular matchup, it is a super important one. <laughs> it is. Uh, I think that's something we need to bring up in the sleeper chat and see if we can get another little name change bet going on here. <laughs> Cause I, I would love to see it. Uh, and so with those two teams, you have two, like you said, two bye week potential players uh, or teams competing against two teams that are eliminated from playoffs. So I'm looking at y'all's matchup, Marcus, you and Ben's. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm looking for y'all guys to play spoilers. Uh, yeah. You know, it's going to be tough because they're top dogs that you're playing against. But on the same hand, man, it's fancy football and anything can happen. Yeah. Which, that brings us to the main event of the week, which I'm calling the Elimination Chamber. Uh, if you know wrestling, you know that the Elimination Chamber is a six-man battle inside of this massive cage that has little chambers inside of it uh that's not what we're talking about here <laughs> when i say elimination chamber i'm saying that we have three matchups of six people going at it this week who are going to basically going to have massive massive elimination possibilities and so the three matchups that we have is sweet chin music versus bro kick rko versus diamond cutter and hitman sharpshooter versus vertebraker in this week 14 series of main events, we'll see three matches going on simultaneously that will determine the fate of which teams will be eliminated from playoff contention. Can the commissioner's sweet chin music hold off a strong bro kick team that will be playing without Jonathan Taylor and Miles Gaskin? Can Vertebreaker secure a win against the worst team in the league to give him a fighting chance of playoffs? And can Diamond Cutter do the unthinkable and defeat the top-ranked RKO to basically secure that last spot of playoffs. And so, man, uh, like I said, I, I love this league, dude. Legion of Doom is so fun to be a part of. Uh, this past week, we had some stuff go down and stuff and, uh, you know, some complaints. And just I think the reason that it was like that, though, if I'm being quite transparent with you, is that we've had such a good season all the way up until this. And so with it, I still think that this league is one of the most fun ones that I'm in. Uh, I love the guys in it. Uh, I love literally every single one of them. They're, they're good dudes. Uh, I'm thankful that each and every one of them is inside of this league. And so with that being said, uh, and I'm in nine other fantasy football leagues, and I could really care less about a bunch of them as far as playoff implications. 
my eyes are focused a lot on the Legion of Doom. Um, we are so close as far as standings goes, and there is uh, seven teams that could very, very easily bring this thing home. And so I'm excited to see what's going to play out for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Marcus, you got any words on that? No, I think you, I think you nailed it. That's going to come down to, uh, you know, to, uh, to a fun little run here to see who gets in the playoffs. And, you know, like you said, I enjoy the league. I've been, uh, been commissioning, you know, the, the redraft league, uh, and, and it's not as active as it used to be, but I always said that was one of my favorite leagues. You know, we got the belt, we pass around, it's all church folks, but, uh, but I, I love this one just as much. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite ones to compete in, even though I'm out of the playoffs, uh, you know, just excited to, to see what happens. So. Always Absolutely. pulling, pulling for the underdog. So uh, I, I want to see if I want to see if Landon can get it done. He's got a good team. So he does, and that's that's my thing, man. Is uh someone I think it was Ben asking us in the sleeper chat this past week. Who do you think's got the the best chances of winning it? And he said Kelby's got a strong team, and I agree with him. I really do. He uh, does. But my my vote on it was I said you got to watch out for the dark horses, and mm-hmm. I said if Greg or Landon, either one, get inside the playoffs. Uh, they both have a very, very yeah. high chance of upsetting some folks. Yeah. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me, but that's that's kind of who my eyes are on. Yeah, with the with the one week matchups like it is, man, it's anybody's game. Uh, like you said, if if Greg can make it in with with get Jonathan Taylor back week fifteen, it's going to be, you know, after their bye week, he's going to be tough to beat as well. So it, it's going to be fun to see what what shakes out. It is all right, Marcus. You ready to bring on the special guest? Man, yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. This week, we wanted to welcome in a special guest that is not a member of the Legion of Doom. This is a guy who has been wanting to come on the podcast for a couple weeks now and is excited to share some fantasy football knowledge and talk about his favorite college team, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. He's been mentioned on the podcast multiple times. He's the commissioner of an MFL League Yellowstone that Marcus and myself joined this past year. He's one of the most active fantasy football players I'm aware of, very passionate about it, and could easily start his own fantasy podcast if he had the time, which I'm trying to talk him and Kelby into doing that gummit. And he's also a high school basketball coach, husband to his wife, Jody, and dad to a daughter and a son. Let's welcome in good friend, Stephen Debo Deaton. What's up, Debo? What's going on, guys? So how, how are you Doing good, man. How was that introduction? Did I hit everything on the head? Man, dude. I don't think it could be any better. Like, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Like, See, man, just, <laughs> just hire me on as your hop guy over there at, at your school. <laughs> hey, let's go. Basketball, man. Hey, let's go. We need it. I need you. <laughs> oh, man. So, I know you had a game tonight, man, and we talked about it a little bit before the show. Uh, how how did, it, how did it turn out for you? Well, you know, it, uh, it was a wor- it's a work in progress. Uh, played hard. Didn't get, didn't get the dub tonight, but we, we got a, uh, we'll have a good week of prep, and we play again Monday, so. Nice, man. Um, we'll try to go back to work on Monday. Hey, that's that's the best attitude to have. So, uh, Stephen, how's life been here a little bit lately here, man? Man, it's good. Just a busy season uh, with basketball. and uh, Really, it's, it's super busy. You know, all these uh, uh, teachers and uh, professions and ever, all y'all people looking forward to uh, Christmas break. And uh, it's not going to be a real break for me because we play uh, over the break and things like that. So, it's just a lot going on. It's a busy season. Uh, just in general, but other than that, man, everything's good. Everything's really good. That's awesome, man. I know I'm I'm not envious at all for teachers coming up on the end of the school year trying to make sure <laughs> every, everybody gets everything done and everything else. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but yeah, 
Hey, man, if that's one thing I know throughout this whole COVID past two years and stuff like that, is that teachers are the one that's, that's in there persevering, man. So more power to you guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. All right. So before we jump into these two segments we got coming up with you, Stephen, what we like to do on our uh, podcast when we welcome in special guests is we like to ask a couple of questions, just a small little interview. And the reason that we do this is to kind of give the guests just kind of a, a background of your fantasy football credentials, uh, just kind of like how long you've been playing, stuff like that. So uh, I know we'll probably get a couple more listeners from the Yellowstone League, people we haven't really had the pleasure of meeting or anything yet. But uh, so starting out, first question, Stephen, how long have you been playing fantasy football? Man, fantasy football, for me, this has got to be like year 15 or so for me, just uh, when you're talking about, and of course, uh, I think right, right, out of, right out of high school, maybe first or second year of college, we all started a league up. So it's 15, 16 years right here for me. Nice. Is that league still currently going? No, man, that was uh, just a redraft league. Uh, I think it was just a one-off. I actually think we're in, I am in year like 12 or 13 of a, of a redraft. So that one's probably my longest standing that I have right now. Nice. Actually, that I'm probably going to get out of because I can't stand redraft. So. Man, trust me. That's right now. I'm in like a. I think I'm in five redrafts, and I don't think I'm making playoffs in a single one of them this year. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Hey, I know the feeling on that. <laughs> hey, man. But if I took those redraft teams and turned them into dynasty teams, dude, I'd be sitting, I'd be sitting nice right now. Right. Exactly. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's kind of like me and Marcus, though. Uh, I know Marcus has been playing forever, ever since I was in diapers. Uh, but I've I've been playing since uh, Marcus got me into it, I think, in 2012 or 13. And that's our longest standing league is our redraft league as well. And that's something we've been kind of yeah. talking back and forth about with how we would like to make that a dynasty league. But we're going to kind of see what plays out the next couple of years. Uh, yeah. So speaking of dynasty, when did you first get into the dynasty perspective of fantasy football? I got into the dynasty's perspective. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be six years ago. Uh, and you you mentioned Kelby. He he got me in it. Uh, and of course, I, we, he's big into fantasy football, and I was too. Um, but he's he had just kind of jumped into the dynasty realm maybe seven eight years ago. And he told me he was like, "Dude, it's addicting. You're gonna love it." I was like, "Man, I don't know. All year long, la la la." Well, look look at us now, podcasting. So. Hey man, you see, that's all I'm telling you, man. I talked, I talked to Kelby about the idea of podcast, and he's like, man, he's like, that's something I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, you got your best friend Steven there, man. Just go ahead and start one. It ain't hard. Yeah, I, I, I don't have the resources you got, man. That the sheet you sent me, the details in that sheet you sent me for the show, man. More power to you. I ain't got time to do all that. Oh <laughs> he man. And just, just just to take a minute too, and and give BJ credit where it's due. Uh, he gets all that that's together. He sends that stuff to me each week. I mean, BJ, the he he's you know, he's the the backbone behind this podcast. I just come on and talk a little bit. All credit goes to BJ there. Hey, it looks good, man. Y'all doing a great job. Appreciate that, man. This is one of those things that I, I find joy in doing it. Uh, I know if you're like me, you probably have multiple fantasy football conversations over the cell phone about every week. And this is just a good chance for the audience to kind of hear what what our takes are and stuff, even though they may be bad takes every week. But, hey, you know what it is. Uh, but, yeah, well, I'm kind of the same way, man. Uh, got into Dynasty about five or six years ago. Uh, <clears throat> for me, it's something to where I was nervous. Exactly. I was nervous getting into it uh, just because I figured it would be more work. And honestly, it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, you find joy in building building a Dynasty team. You know, uh, you find joy in putting yeah. in that work 
uh, either selling your draft picks or accumulating whichever one you want to do. But at the end of the day, either you suck because you made yourself suck or end up you were <laughs> doing a fantastic job because you made the moves to get there. All, All right, right. So, Stephen, moving into uh, some trades real quick, man. Uh, if I ask you what trade is your holy grail of trades, the one that you rank above all others that you made, which one would you say that it is? Man, I made a trade, uh, I want to say three years ago now, and it was in uh, one of the first leagues that I really jumped in to be a commissioner of in Dynasty. And uh, I traded Winston away and what wound up being uh, – 112. So Winston and rookie pick 112 for Dak and rookie pick 201. And I feel like that trade is uh, a trade that, that has re it really put me over the top in that league. Uh, won it last year. Uh, got a strong chance to win it again this year. Um, of course, when you make a trade like that, uh, Winston was still playing for the for Tampa Bay and was putting up good numbers fantasy wise, right? I mean, yeah. you know, he was throwing a ton of interceptions, but for fantasy, he was still slinging it and putting numbers up. And uh, I just, you know, I, I, at the time we didn't know what those picks were. It was just a first for a second. Yeah. Uh, but it wound up being one twelve and two hundred one, which is obviously back to back right there. So mm -hmm. uh, it was it was a good trade for me. Obviously, uh, looking back now, um, it was it was one of the best ones I made. That's a super flex league. It is a super flex league. There's no other way, by the way. <laughs> other than hey, man, there's you got no you got to you got to ease into it somehow. Hey, look, there's no other way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's good, though, man. Uh, it's always nice when you trade those first and seconds, and you kind of have that, uh, I guess, foreknowledge of knowing that, hey, you know, there's not going to be much of a difference as far as a late first and an early second. <laughs> right. Well, I kind of had that knowledge you know i was like hey i'm pretty good if i make this trade i'll be better uh he's not going to be good he's trading away you know Dak. and even though winston was putting up numbers i mean obviously for me i wanted Dak. so and i just thought i didn't know they'd be back to back but i knew it would be you know early second late first you know yeah. so yeah. yeah and that's back when winston was throwing 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions right yep 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 <laughs> he was slinging it for sure hey man all right so let's do the reverse side of this what's the one grade that you regret making what's the one that kind of still haunts you in your dreams look man i don't make bad trades it's just uh they they, they you know you, you make a trade and you just live with it it's not necessarily a bad one you just live with it right but yep. i thought about this and i didn't i didn't really do my research so there's probably one that's worse than this but i do remember one that i made that i kind of i kind of regret now it's not really bad but we all know jt's a monster right now and yep. so I traded JT straight up for Kittle in a start two tight end league. Now, I know it's not awful, but yeah. JT being the, the 101 to Kittle, you know, even though Kittle's a, a good player and it is a, two, a start two tight end league, uh, I still am looking back at that one right now going, man, I could have got so much more for JT. So I know, man. That's, that's what's crazy. It is, uh, for me, I remember I, I talked to you a couple of years ago when we was in our Basilea Dynasty League. And I had the 101. And I remember texting you, Stephen, and being like, hey, so who would you choose 101? Would you go CEH or Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> and uh, your first answer that. your first answer was, man, why would you go CEH? And I was like, because consensus says. And you're like, I don't care what consensus says. And uh, <laughs> I, I ended up making a trade to get both 101 and 102, thank goodness. But, yeah, kind of like that is tough, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, 
honestly, it's not a bad trade, JT, for Kittle in a, in a t- start two. Yeah. Uh, but I see where you're coming from. If you would have held him, you could have probably got that and a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so moving on, who's your favorite NFL team? I know this, but I want the audience to hear it too. Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a New Orleans Saint through and through, baby. Uh, it's, it's been a rough year, guys. Not gonna, I, I don't really want to talk about it very much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, New Orleans Saints right here. All right, so I need you to call your boy Sean Payton up and tell him to start Camara this week. He's had enough rest. <laughs> hey, man, I'm as worried as you are. But they're so bad right now. I'm worried, I'm worried. Uh, that they may shut him down. Right? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to. You know, I mean, as a fan, as a as an NFL Saint fan, I'm like, hey, I want him healthy. We need him next year. If we suck, let's just suck and get the best pick we can get in the NFL draft. But the fantasy side of me is going, man, I gotta have Kamara for these playoff pushes. Yeah. So uh, it's tough. It's tough. I know. Just two weeks ago, I traded Javante Williams in a late first and a super flex for uh, Alvin Kamara. And looking back at it now, man, I wish I would have held on just a little bit longer. But yeah, I think that's still a good trade for you. I mean, everybody's high on Javante, and rightfully so. He looks good. He looks the part. But man, when Kamara's healthy and he's, you know, they're going good, he's he's still alpha up there for me. That's true. All right, so let me ask you this question: how many how many leagues are you are you currently in, Stephen? Like as far as just dynasty, just dynasty. I'm in nine, just dynasty. Okay. Uh, All right, so of your nine dynasty leagues, who do you think your most rostered player is? Man, I know the answer to this question. It's an easy one because preseason here. Uh, I jumped all over Tony Jones for the Saints. Uh, I was obviously following the Saints, and I knew uh, I knew Latavius Murray had some contract issues, and I knew they they may release him in preseason. Tony Jones was killing it, like it killing it. And I thought, man, Tony Jones, and I and I own Kamara in a few leagues too. And I thought, man, he'd be a good he'd be a good handcuff, and he'd also be maybe a guy that if Kamara goes down, that can come in just plug and play. Now, obviously, we didn't know the Saints' offense was going to be as bad as it's been this year. And Tony Jones has not done what he needs to do uh, to produce fantasy-wise. But that being said, I own Tony Jones at eight of my nine dynasty leagues. And he is my most on player. Marcus, who's your, who's your most on player? Uh, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> is it Mike Davis? <laughs> it is. Mike Davis. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, man. I was super high, super high on Mike Davis this year. Uh, because hey, ultimately – he he was the only running back for Atlanta, and I mean, of course, you see that because they're freaking using a receiver for a running back. <laughs> hey, uh, he stole a touchdown this week. I thought about you too when he scored that. Yeah, he, he did. He, thought, he did. And I, I, thought, had him, I had him. I had him benched in every league. I thought Marcus is Marcus is uh, is screaming screaming to the heavens right now. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Mike Davis. <laughs> Probably cussing out a storm. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. My uh, my most rostered player in Dynasty is honestly CD Lamb. Uh, it's something that uh, I think I I joined about three or four startups this past off season, and I think uh, in just about every one of them but Yellowstone, I ended up pulling the trigger on CD in like the second third round, and uh, it's turned out to be pretty pretty good draft capital there. Mine was yeah, was Gasecki, but I I traded him away. I think in three leagues I had him in. But I had him in every league I was in this year. Uh, he's been I, solid this year. Gusecki's been really solid. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I, he's helped me. Uh, I'm in one league uh, uh, with the Delmars folks, and I've got Gusecki and Kittle. 
And uh, now that Kittle's heating it up, I've, I've been able to use him. But Gusecki helped me get through uh, the beginning of that that league. So, Stephen, how many leagues are you currently commissioner right now, man? I am commissioner of six dynasties, and I co-commish two more dynasties. Oh, goodness, man. You co-commission yeah. with Kelby? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's a good little he's, stack he, you got there. He, he gets lazy, man. I have to do all the work for him. <laughs> He'll tell you, too. He's like, man, I'm just, I can't do it. So, hey, man. Nah, he, it's good. We work together in some of those situations. So That's the best thing, man. If you're going to be a commission, you got to have some good co-commissioners. Yeah. All right, so that's going to actually segue us right into this next segment, Stephen. We're going to call it Commissioner Talk, okay? Uh, so all three of us are commissioners over fantasy football leagues right now. Uh, Marcus, how many com- uh, leagues are you commissioner over? Uh, three. Three. They're all They're redraft, all, right? All redraft, yep. Not for long. You're going to start a dynasty before long. Man, if I can find some, I, it's got to be dedication in a dynasty. And that's um, my problem with all the redrafts is I've got three or four in each league that's not active, so. Well, you just started on my fantasy league. You'll be good. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, Kelby, Kelby texted me this week. He said, guys, he sent us in a group thread, and he said, I'm finally there. He said, sleeper's better. I said, get out. <laughs> it's like, it like the moment that Kelby converted to reform theology. Well, yeah. and I told him, like, I know I get it, man. I, it, it's, I understand the, the, uh, the, the dynamic of it and the interface, and it's all user-friendly and all that stuff. But I'm just too OCD. Like, I got to have – I have nine dynasty leagues in my yeah. fantasy league. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? I can't go to sleeper. No, I hey, mean, man, I just can't once, you, once you go there, you won't come back. Once you Steve. go, you can't go back. I'm telling that, you. That, that's me. It's not – in my <laughs> fantasy league, it's, it's – it's, I ain't going to say it's bad, but it, I don't, don't like do it that. as much as don't I do, do sleeper. Me, but I'm the, I'm the other way. See, all of ours is in sleeper, and I only yep. have your Yellowstone league in the my fantasy. And I have to yeah. – like, I literally, when I look a player up, like if I'm I'm looking at a trade, I have to jump over at sleeper and I look him up and look at all the stats on there, and then go back to my fantasy league and be like, yeah, I may want to do that, you know. But well, I don't know, man. I, I, me, I don't know. I, I don't know. Me and Marcus have a plan of action, Stephen. And what we're going to do is we're going to move our money redraft league to sleeper next year. We're going to get you to join it, and then we're going to slowly incorporate you into moving your dynasty <laughs> yep. over. I, I wouldn't be opposed to moving them over, but. Man, that's a lot of work. I was thinking about it. I was like, man, it that'd is. be a lot of work. That'd be a lot of work. Well, if you ever want to move just, Yellowstone, just, I'm, just I'm here do, to let do. you know, Stephen. I got <laughs> yeah. your back. All right. I have you out one, and everything. One right? at a time. Yeah. I'm just one glad I got time. I'm glad I got y'all to join. I'm glad I got y'all in. Hey man, you, nah, you should have just I been a salesman. But I'm glad I did. Well, uh, it, it's it's different. It. I know it's different for sure. And like we've talked about before, the desktop version is where you have to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I I have gotten used to the My Fantasy League app. Um, I, I use it well, but but I'm well versed because I commission nine of them, yep. so yeah. I know the ins and outs of the of the it's app like and the desktop. To. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's fine for me, but I can I get where uh, guys that like you guys are only in one of them. It's just not the same, so you yes. don't see it the same way I do. Like I said, we got a ten step action, man. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Marcus is commissioner over three leagues, future dynasty uh, commissioner yes, as well. Uh, sure. My co commissioner in Legion of Doom, Stephen. You are commissioner of six dynasty leagues with three other co commissioners, right? Or co commissioner three two. other leagues. Sorry, yeah, two. Oh, two. My bad. Yeah. Uh, well, this is my first commissioning. Uh, league is the legion of doom first time uh so what i wanted to do is i just want to kind of pick y'all's brains and get some advice on being commissioner of a fantasy football league uh i know there's actually a podcast out there i can't remember who started it or whatnot it might be, it might be scott fish 
to where it's basically just a commission podcast and they talk about all things being a commissioner and whatnot. Uh, so what I want to do is I got a couple of questions and I just wanted to figure we could share each other's pointers and stuff. Y'all cool with that? Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. So Steven, first question for you, what are some best ways that you can keep your leagues active during the season and during the off season, specifically in dynasty? Yeah. Uh, it, it's a hard thing to do, right? Cause Marcus was just talking about, he he's, frustrated with three three owners that he just can't get in touch with and will set their lineups and that's just in redraft um, but you feel like when you join a dynasty those guys will be more active but I'll be honest I've I've seen guys even in dynasty that just get disinterested and it's hard to deal with yep. um, but for me I, I try to stay in the group chats uh, and and just remind people about like trade deadlines coming up and I try to remind people to set rosters and and things like that just to just to be interacting with people uh, you know, I'll send the GFs every now and then just to get some conversation going so people don't forget about, you know, things going on. So I, yeah. I, I try to do that to keep people encouraged, um, you know, in our leagues. Yeah. All right. So, Marcus, what do you do? Uh, the same thing. Well, yeah, I, I know with the, with, the, with the church redraft, it's uh, we don't have a group or anything. It's just group text. And I remember a guy got in one time and was like, man, I hate group text. And I was like, well, you're going to hate this because – like, uh, there, there's not a whole lot of conversation besides BJ and Adam, the rest of the guys, Derek will talk some Ben, but, but most of the time it's, it's kind of quiet and, uh, and I'll get in there, man, and just, just blow folks up. I mean, it'll be, you know, April and I'm like, Hey, uh, let's, let's get ready for this. And they're like, dude, that's four months away. Shut up. But yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> even though it's a redraft, I try to keep, you know, that, that's, that's been running since 2012. So, uh, that and then you know the the things that I find tough is kind of like Stephen said. A lot of those leagues is uh, that I that I commissioner it, it started like Facebook to where it was just hey I got a got a few spots open. You get yeah. guys in that you really don't even know, and it's it's tough to you know kind of push on them because they don't know me that well and I don't know them that well. But you know you you got to keep people people involved and keep them somewhat in line. Yeah, and that's uh that's with me as well. I know take the Legion of Doom for an example. Like I said, we're only a 10 team league, so it's kind of small and whatnot. Uh, but for me, I think I've I did my research and whatnot before I started. I wanted to kind of keep this league extremely active. Uh, so as of right now, I can't see myself being a commissioner of more than one league because I pour a crap ton into this league. Uh, we got this podcast show going specifically for him, but not only that. Uh, some things that I've done throughout the season to kind of build activity through the off season into this our past season is I did uh, startup uh, rankings whenever we got done with our startup. And so what I did is I just got on like Dynasty Trade Calculator, got every one of the values of players, spent a crap ton of time doing that, and then got uh, basically just ranked the teams in order compared to what uh, not not subjective of my opinion, but just where their value was by the players they drafted. After that, uh, I actually made some uh, like almost graphic design stuff of their uh, football or not football, excuse me, wrestling team names and gave them a little graphic and whatnot that they could use if they wanted to. Uh, we had our rookie draft. After the rookie draft, I did post rookie draft rankings for them. And then since then, what I've been doing is each and every week we have matchup cards that we send in. And so I'll have a main event of the week and I got this little graphic design app on my phone to where I'll put their wrestlers that they have and I will put them head to head on kind of like a little match card. And so I know it's a lot of work and stuff, but it's stuff that I find enjoyment doing. And I know that uh, I know the league, they take favor in it as well. But uh, one of my most active leagues, honestly, is a league that I joined. Uh, I think it was back in November of last year. And it was an orphan league. Uh, it's guys from all over 
uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, the UK, Ireland, uh, uh, just all over the world. Man, I think some's in Missouri. Uh, but with it, the reason I enjoy it is because they are active in the chat all the time. Uh, it's guys that we've actually went through a commissioner change over the past year, which was tough. But in doing so, they've kept right on. And so a lot of times when I have discussions I want to bring up on this podcast, I'll actually send it in to the group chat there. And when I send it into the group chat there, then we'll kind of talk about it and uh, see what all their their perspectives is and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, man, that's kind of a, a thing that I just want to ask you guys about, though, is to see kind of what y'all do during the offseason and, the, and uh, during the season. I think we all kind of have those tendencies sometimes of uh, joining Dynasty League specifically and just kind of getting burnt out because there's no activity, you know. Yeah, and that's always I- something we want to kind of counteract. Yeah, my offseason, I, I t- there's always going to be a lull right after the championships because people are just – they're burnout. You've either won it or you've maybe gotten beat or you didn't make it. Um, so there's going to be that lull. But the good thing about Dynasty is it's not long and, and you're right there ready for the rookie draft. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, around March I'll start sending out messages, you know, talking about, hey, let's – you know, we, I'll get the picks, you know, I'll, in my dynasties, I'll set the pick order or, you know, I'll put the pick order out in case people don't know it or whatever. And then we'll just start discussing, hey, man, let's let's make some trades. You know, some of you guys that maybe have too many picks and they can't, you know, you see these teams build up a ton of picks. And then if you have a roster limit, they're going to have to trade some of those picks for either yep. futures or consolidate. And you'll see that here and there. And we'll, I try to get conversations going around March, you know, and, and rookie draft being in April. Um, so there's not a, uh, uh, but there's always going to be a lull right after championships for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of a good, good time to kind of catch up <laughs> right? and give yourself that mental break, you know? Yeah. Uh, so next question, Marcus, I want you to answer this one. Do you prefer theme leagues or name your own squad how you want? Uh, man, I've always been, you know, in, into the theme, even before other leagues was, uh, <clears throat> kind of drive people crazy in the, in the church redraft league. Cause I always, I was like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Let's keep a theme, and, you know, you'd have that one guy who never would rename his team, and I'd text him like 37 times like, dude, you got to <laughs> you gotta pick something, uh, which Steve in the Yellowstone, that that was probably uh, one of the uh, coolest theme leagues I've been in. That uh, pulled you in, didn't it? That's it, the only really, reason you got it, in. It really did because, <laughs> you know, people don't understand, but I love Walker. Uh, love right. Ryan Ryan Bingham. Listen to his music and him yeah. on the show. I was like, nobody, oh, yeah. nobody wants to be Walker. I've got to join this league just where yeah. I can be Walker. So right. we actually done movies, uh, football theme movies or TV shows in our redraft yeah. this yeah. year. That that was pretty neat. Uh, so Stephen, let me ask you this question, man. The Yellowstone League. What character in Yellowstone do you think me and Marcus remind you of? That you remind me of? Yep. Just give give us a give us a little oh, man a thing here. On the spot. Um, on the spot. You, I mean, dude, you got to be you, – you're, you're, you've got to be uh, – uh, dang, what's the dude's name? I'm losing, I'm losing my mind. The dude that just went to uh, the, the triple – the four sixes. Oh, Jimmy. Know Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Herdstrom. Yeah. There you go. BJ's okay, Jimmy. I got that. B, BJ's uh, Jimmy. Uh, so far, I've watched the season one, the, episode five, so I know who Jimmy is. <laughs> to duct, duct tape him to the horse. So yeah, yeah, yeah BJ's got to be uh, Jimmy. Uh, hey, Marcus it, reminds man. me of uh, uh, what's the guy? Uh, he's not a main character, uh, but he's one of the ranchers that lives in the bunkhouse uh, that wears the he wears glasses. I can't think of his name, but anyway, that Marcus kind of reminds me of that guy. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's on the spot. That's a tough question there, BJ. Appreciate oh, that. Thanks, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> on the spot. Uh, so I, I know your answer, Stephen. You prefer theme leagues, right? 
Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. Awesome. No I figure doubt. so, man. Well, you being an yeah, M- I mean, MFL guy, you know. Yeah, I'm an MFL right. guy, man. I, I, all I, I've got got a question, though. But, uh, Adam had, had kind of said, what, I mean, what are we going to do with the characters that's been killed off in, in Yellowstone? All right. I, 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 th- I, I, I thought I was a goner. <laughs> we'll just look. We'll just have an RIP beside your name. There's nothing else we can do. You're still I that mean, character. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm totally to open. I'm, yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I'm in uh, my all of my minor fantasy leagues are, are themed. I mean, we're in uh, – um, I'm in a Better Call Saul league, Yellowstone. I'm in a DC Dynasty league, DC Comics. Um, we're in a league that's The Office, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, my one league's a Heisman House, which is just Heisman winners, which is a really cool league. That's cool. Uh, and then and then a Marvel uh, dynasty. So obviously we're just it's all themed. That's all my leagues. But in Marvel, for instance, there's so many Marvel characters. I have had a couple people say, "Hey man, I want to change my name," and I'm good with it. Like if someone wants to change their name, change your name. I'm good with it as long as you keep it on the theme. Yeah. So, gotta, I got to keep, keep watching the show. The Walking Dead. Yeah, Walking man. I, dead. Yeah, I, I, man, I got burnt out on The Walking Dead. I got to catch up. Everybody I know. Says, I, 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 I've, I've watched it since season two. Like yeah. I watch it as it comes on TV, and yeah. I, yeah, it's not as good as it used to be. But I'm so invested that I can't. You know, I've got to watch it to yeah. the end. So see, I, I, and I don't normally do that. Like I'm a vested person when I when it comes to shows like that. And I'm the same as you. I watched it live. Yeah. From, it, it got bad though, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just got burnt out. Just it just got it just got, I just got burned out. I'll just now, say that. So. I was a Shane fan, so I mean, when they killed Shane off, I was like, "Man, come on!" You've been now. you've been in a bad mood since season two, then. I have. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> uh, All right. So next question. This is for you, Marcus, and I'll let Stephen answer it after you get done. Uh, do you allow tanking in your leagues, and also define tanking? Uh, no. I I try to you know I try to stay on top of that. Uh, we've we've kind of dealt with it in the in the super flex league this year, and I've kind of had to message a few people like, hey, uh, you know, if it if it's an honest mistake in a redraft league, and you know it's not purposely, uh, like you're you're giving somebody a win on purpose, like closer to playoffs, uh, I try to just like I don't give a warning and then you're kicked out or anything like that, uh, but I try to I definitely try to keep you active. I mean, if you're purposely like not starting your line, you know, like clearing out your lineup or uh, starting a, a fourth string running back or something like that, then yeah, if it's a you know if it's a deal to where it's a twelve o'clock start and you didn't pull the guy out in time, uh, I somewhat understand that. Yeah. All right. So Stephen, define tanking for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just had we had that in Yellowstone this week with an owner, uh, you know, not setting a lineup, you know, and uh, so we had to, we had I had multiple people messaging me, you know, saying, hey man, you know, just check on this for us. And, uh, it, you know, it didn't it, – for that for that particular team, it didn't matter because the week – I think they are both out, the guys that were playing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just not good practice, I don't think. Tanking for me – look, it's a fine line because, because you have – people are paying money to do this. So yep. – and you're trying to tell them almost how to run their team, but, but at the same time, you got to have integrity. Like, if you have a stacked team and then all of a sudden you say, well, I'm going to be stacked and I'm going to sit – my stacked players and I'm going to get the 101. Yeah, that just don't, yeah. it's, it's not how it needs to work. And so I, my thing on tanking is if you want to sell all your players and get value for them, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. But you can't sit all your good players to try to get 101. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to sell them off, good, sell them all, sell them all. But for me, tanking for me, which I don't allow would be to hold your good players 
on your bench and then start bad players. We don't do that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I've seen. It's a hot take in the dynasty community. Uh, I know I'm I'm on a chat group on Facebook called <coughs> Dynasty Nerds, and I feel like that that topic gets brought up at least every like two weeks on there. Like, hey, I'm a new commissioner. How do I handle this and jump like that? Yeah. But I'm I'm in the same boat as you guys. Uh, my thing is, I think you start your best lineup. Who am I to say who your best lineup is? But on the same end of it, man, uh, I, I agree with you. I know I saw this one guy getting roasted online because he had like Josh Allen, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, all of them on his bench were starting inactive players just mm-hmm. so that way he said he was in a rebuild with those players right. on his team no. and trying to get better draft picks. And, no, and that, that's why I agree with Steven. And that's why I say with the redraft, it's a little different with Dynasty. If you're in a rebuild, you, you can't be in a rebuild with, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Patrick Mahomes and yep. – uh, you know, Devontae Adams on your bench. That's not a rebuild. That's that's tanking, uh, you know. And and th- th- there's a difference in, you know, like Mahomes has not had a good year. Uh, so somebody that started, you know, say Minshew this week over Mahomes, you can't call that tanking. Uh, but, you know, starting a, a backup court, like starting Lance over Mahomes, knowing that he's only going, you know, maybe get a wildcat play down around the end zone. Well, right. he got points. No, you can't do that. No, <laughs> yeah, for sure not. All right, Ben, let's get to my next question. Steven, what's your take on Vito in a trade or Vito in a trade and how do you handle it in your leagues? Yeah, man. Uh, the, for me, Dynasty, there's no veto and there's no reason to veto unless you can prove collusion. And I know it sucks, man, when you got these owners that make bad decisions but but it, but you, you just it, you just can't veto unless you prove collusion because you're going to you're going to wind up making somebody mad and then you also never know what trades are going to turn out to be um so it's just hard man i was in a league a couple years ago and uh calvin ridley was coming up he wasn't hot yet he was on the way yeah um and i was trading away calvin ridley and i traded a first with it and i was getting mike evans well calvin ridley at the time was nothing the guy made the trade the league lost it and reversed the trade. And so the guy was going to get Ridley in a first, and I was getting Evans. I was trying to win it. And now look at it. Like, I mean, I know, yeah. I know what happened with Ridley, you know, we're not, but, but you take that away. Ridley in a first would have been a, a slam dunk for that guy. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but the guy, you know, the league lost it because, because I made that trade and, and they vetoed it. And I just think it's bad practice to veto trades in Dynasty. I don't like it unless you can prove that they were colluding and trying to, you know, pull one over on the league or something. I just, I'm not a fan. Yeah. And that's something that we've had an open discussion with this week, just me and Marcus. Uh, it's something that I got a lot of people's opinions on and stuff like that. And I'm starting to fall into that camp, honestly. Uh, if it's not collusion, it's kind of hard to, to veto a trade. Uh, but I will say this too, on the same end, it, it's so hard to kind of walk that fine balance of not stepping in and saying like, hey, for the integrity of the league, make smart trades and jump like that. But on the same end, saying, "Hey, this is your team. Do with it what you will." Right. You know. I just, uh, I, 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 I mean, bad trades are made all the time. You yep. can't get mad because the best team in the league got better. Yep. Can't. That's true. And so I, I just don't agree with vetoing trades unless you can prove collusion. It should never go in a dynasty league. It should never go to a vote because it's going to be a biased vote. Mm-hmm. It's going to be biased no matter what you do. That's true. And then it could also end up causing some tension between the league, which that's what we saw in, uh, in Legion of Doom sure. this past week. Uh, something, though, where I think it was handled with care and we're looking forward to going forward and don't really yeah. want to talk much yeah. more on the subject there. Yeah. Uh, so, next question. I think this will be a fun one, okay? 
Uh, what are some unique types of leagues that you've always wanted to either be a commish over or join, but haven't yet? So for an example, like the Scott Fishbowl, a Vampire League, a Guillotine League, a Hogwarts League, whatever. Like what's what's the type of league that you've heard that you're like, oh man, that'd be sick, but you've never really joined it yet? Well, for me, I've never done a Vampire League, and I don't even know what a Hogwarts League is. I guess that's my... Uh, oh, dude, it's so weird, man. I, uh, saw it, I saw it a lot. It's like you have houses that you are cooperating with and can I'm trade out. within. Yeah, it was no, too much. I'm out. I'm out. And uh, the Scott Fishbowl, like, that's too much for me, too. Multiple yeah. copies of players mm-hmm. and on team. It's just too much for me. So um, the Guillotine League, I have actually been in one of those, and it was really fun. I've, I didn't commission it, but I was in one, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Now the guillotines where you, you take somebody off the losing team each week, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. yep. Yeah. I think there's another version of the guillotine league as well to where it's oh, only like a it's an eight week league, I think. And each week yep. you lose like it gets like half and half and half. So like your losers yeah. are out and the winners. The, guillot- keep playing. the guillotine league I was in was that way, where if you were the bottom team, you were yep. done. Yeah. Okay. You were done. That's what I've seen. Now, I think the they, they have a version of a vampire league to where you only have one vampire, and if that uh-huh. vampire wins, he steals a player. But I've also heard it said to where there's multiple, like everybody plays a vampire, and like if you win, you steal a player no matter what. And so I, I find leagues yeah. like that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way, though. I think Scott Fishbowl, just because for charity and stuff like that, would always be sick. Uh, something I put in for this year and obviously did not get it, but uh, I think it'd be cool. All right, guys, so uh, let's move into this last segment. Y'all cool with that? Yep. Awesome. So to round out the show, I thought it'd be cool to just discuss our favorite players and coaches from our favorite colleges. So I'm calling this segment College Favorites. In this episode, we have an Alabama fan, an Ole Miss fan, and now a Mississippi State fan. Look at us. Let's go. Hell State. (laughs) So let's run through our favorite coach, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and defensive player that has been for our favorite team throughout the years. Then we can briefly talk about them. Uh, Steven, so we have eight minutes left on the Zoom call before we have to start up another one. And so I'm going to give you first take since you're the guest. All right, so Mississippi State, start us off with your favorite coach. Hey, man, it's got to be Dan Mullen for me. I mean, he took Mississippi State program uh, to heights it had never been to, um, and we may never see again. Um, That's just reality. Uh, We were the first number one when the college football playoff came out. Um, And as a fan, I'm really appreciative of what he did. Um, uh, He was a really good developer of two- and three-star recruits. Um, His only knock was that he couldn't recruit. Uh, He couldn't recruit well. Um, and you kind of see in that right with what happened to him at Florida. Um, but, yeah. but as far as Mississippi State uh, and what he did for our program, he, he's, he's my coach. Nice. And I, I, it was funny because me and Marcus were talking about this this past week, and I told him, I was like, he's going to choose Dan Mullen. I was like, I, I just know it. I'll tell you what, for sure. instead of going through your whole team, let's just do it position by position. Y'all cool with that? Yeah. All right, so Marcus, who's your favorite coach been at Ole Miss? Uh, well, you know, uh, Kiffin's, Kiffin's here and I like Kiffin and people probably expect me to, to say Kiffin, uh, because of the, you know, the way that it ended with freeze, but, uh, just like, just like Steven said, man, freeze had us in a place, uh, you know, which I mean, Kiffin's got us as a 10 win season, but, uh, you know, beating Bama back to back, killing it and recruiting and just the love that he had for the program, man, son, you know, like it's always been that big rivalry between, you know, state and Ole Miss, but when, when Freeze was here, uh, you know, I remember the the pregame speeches, you know, the Egg Bowl that year that said we wasn't going to go out and, you know, play for the hatred of the other team, but for love for one another, just, man, I, I eat that up, you know. I, I like the rivalry, but 
you know, the friendliness that, that Freeze played with and just the, the love coming from Ole Miss, coaching at Ole Miss, you know, as coming up from a nobody. And, uh, man, I, I did. I, I Freeze, I, I loved it, you know, when he was when he was at, at Ole Miss. So, Freeze would be my coach. Yeah, I know. He's a, he's a Liberty now, right? Yep. And then when he came back this past year, he, all he had was kind words to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, for my Alabama coach, I'm going with Mike Shula, uh, the GOAT. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. Uh, I could have very easily said Bear Bryant and stuff like that, but I'm just going to go with a guy who's trying to program around since I've been born, and that's Nick Saban. Uh, he's a coach, honestly, you either love or hate, man. There ain't no in-between. Uh, he seems to be very no-nonsense, but he also knows what to do to get the program where he wants it to be. Uh, since taking over as head coach in 2007 in Alabama, he has brought six national championships, eight SEC championships, three Heisman winners, and tons of NFL-ready players drafted in the NFL. Uh, for me, I think the reason I like Saban, man, is because I like his mentality and stuff, too, like just his character. But on the same end, dude is a heck of a recruiter. Uh, he sure. knows how to work that that transport portal or whatever you call it, and he also knows how to go out and get the players that he wants. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, man, it's, it's been it's been a nice little turnaround since I was a kid watching Alabama get beat by Mississippi State every year, and then now it's kind of turned its tide a little bit. Uh, oh, nice so, pun there. Good yeah, job. you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, who's that Mississippi State quarterback of your liking? Man, uh, if if there's any doubt, I, I know you think I'm probably uh, up in the air on this one, but it, it's got to be Dak, obviously. Um, he's pretty clear-cut answer for me here. He's a special player that we had. And honestly, I had the opportunity to go uh, to a lot of his games in person. And, uh, man, it was just a special experience. Uh, I was actually at the State game versus Auburn. Uh, the year we won in, in Starville and it catapulted them to number one in the nation. Um, and, it, and Marcus being a big old Miss fan, he knows, you know, what those big moments are like when your team's good and you get to uh, enjoy that. Uh, I remember being there and it was almost surreal. Like when, when State won that game, when you were going to number one because it was number two versus number three at the time. Yep. And, man, it was just the, the atmosphere was, was crazy surreal. We won the game. And uh, nobody left the stadium for like 30, 45 minutes after the game, you know, because Mississippi, let's be honest, Mississippi State, they're never, they're never in that position. We never have been except then, and we hadn't been back. So it's just, it was surreal to be there when that happened. Also got to travel to Kentucky and watch him play. Um, it was some special years. Uh, he had, he had the LSU game in Baton Rouge's junior year where he had that memorable run, uh, uh, probably one of his, arguably maybe his most memorable moment when he was there and he took off for that run and scored. And we knew Mississippi State was the real deal that year. Uh, um, so Dak, Dak has to be my QB. Yeah, man. You look at what he's done in the NFL, too. I think that's just uh, his transition over from stud at Mississippi State to taking away Tony Romo's job and stuff like that, man. Like, he has been a, a spectacular, spectacular alumni for Mississippi State for sure. That's, uh, that's always been the knock on State, you know, State and Ole Miss that, you know, they've never had that quarterback. Before Dak, I mean, honestly, what would it be Matt White, who, who was a beast, don't get me wrong, and I love listening to He's probably one of the best talk show hosts, you know, sports talks yeah. that I've ever heard. Yeah. That's coming from an Ole Miss fan. The, dude, the dude's awesome. Uh, but Dak, you know, he gives you all that. And, yeah. and like yeah. BJ said, transition to the NFL. Uh, he's just as good in the pros, probably better in the pros than he, yep. you know, than he was yep. in college. He's developed yep. into a true passer and can run when you need him to. So yeah, no, great, no great doubt. character, man. One of the best ones out yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, it does a ton, man. Does a ton for for charity and stuff like that. Like he he spends his his off time and you know in the hospitals and things like that. Dak's a genuine. He he's a good guy. 
All right, Marcus, I see your uh, your note here in the show, Doc. Who's this quarterback? Well, I mean, you know, I figured, you know, people question this as well. You got the you got the Mannings, and and we're trying to get Arch to come on down. But uh, man, again, going back to the time we had with with Chad Kelly uh, under center, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of questionable uh, <laughs> coming coming from all the all the crap that went on at Clemson. But those back to back wins over Alabama. And uh, and I think why I loved him so much, uh, he wasn't called Swag Kelly for nothing. I mean, the dude brought it. He was energetic. He had all the tools, and uh, you know, he, he he showed composure. He was a leader, and uh, and and I refer to him a lot as the Marshall Henderson of the football field uh, because the guy he just he went crazy. Uh, and the years that he gave us, uh, he when he come to Ole Miss, he had problems. He straightened up. He gave us some good years, and uh, of course went on to the NFL. And, and kind of went back to went back to doing what he was doing at Clemson, you know, trying to trying to cause trouble. Uh, I think the guy would have had a better NFL career if he'd have kept his head on straight. But uh, he, he's definitely a good quarterback, you know, coming from the from the Kelly bloodline. Uh, but man, yeah, love love to watch uh, Chad Kelly play. Yeah, I don't really want to talk much about them two the two back to back seasons there. No, BJ you know, don't like. Them. You know, uh, y'all are going to find this hilarious, but. As a Mississippi State fan, I have some buddies, one Alabama fan, two Ole Miss fans, and myself. We chose to go to the Alabama game that year together. I went with them as a State fan, and Ole Miss beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And a very, very crazy game, obviously. You know, he had the the ball off the helmet and then uh, uh, caught it, run it to the end zone. Of course, I'm in there as kind of a neutral. Of course, you know, I I mean, I'm not against Ole Miss, but, man – as a state fan, you're going, man, I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> yep. You know, um, uh, and then and then honestly, we went back together the next year to Oxford, and they won it again. And I hadn't been back. I'm like, I'm my, not doing this. My wife, my wife begged me. I'm talking about begged me to go to Oxford. We we definitely wasn't going. I went to Alabama with BJ. What was that? Two years before that happened. That was 2012. Yes, that's when Mark Ingram was yeah. there. Yeah, me and uh, BJ actually got tickets for his birthday, and we all went. Ole Miss drove straight down and scored. I was like, oh, BJ, today's the day. And then Alabama <laughs> Alabama returned the kickoff for a touchdown, and I think they beat Ole Miss 42-7. to seven. We never yeah, scored again. Yeah. So a couple yeah. years later, you know, I was like, this is it. B- B- I won't never forget that next morning we w- I walked in church. BJ's in the sound booth, and I, I'm grinning, walking all the way back there, and he's like, shut up. We're here for Jesus. Don't, don't, don't start this mess. And, hey man, uh, let me just get some context real quick. So 2000, 2014, when they when they beat us the first year, me and my wife took an anniversary trip to uh, to Memphis for the weekend. And while we were there, she broke her finger in the door because the wind caught it, uh, oh. the car door. And so BJ, we're just, BJ really slammed her finger in the door. He just don't tell that's her story, that okay? But uh, so needless to say, we were watching that game in the urgent care. We ended up getting beat, so that weekend was completely ruined. So it it's is a bad weekend, right there. It was a bad memory, man. <laughs> uh, so my for my favorite quarterback at Alabama, uh, I could very very easily go recency bias here because kind of like you guys back before four years ago, Alabama did not have a quarterback make it to the NFL that actually produced besides Joe Namath, and that's been like years and years and years ago. Uh, so for this, uh, I could have went to a Tugabailoa. I could have went Jalen Hurts, who I named my firstborn son after. Uh, but instead, I'm going to go with A.J. McCarron. Uh, the reason I say this is A.J. McCarron, man, watching him, he wasn't nothing special. He was a game manager. Uh, he was somebody that could go out there, though, and he had the weapons surrounding him, and he knew he needed to get them the ball. Uh, and so with it, I just 
he was one of my favorite quarterbacks to ever watched just because dude was a he was good character he uh didn't really make it much in the nfl i think he is still a backup quarterback out there somewhere he's been with the Bengals, the texans pretty much everybody uh but at the end of the day man i just like the fact that he was a normal dude went out there won a couple of national championships with a uh, with julio amari all of them you know but uh all right steven going to running back who's at mississippi state running back Man, this was this was kind of hard for me. Uh, Anthony Dixon has is, is got to be the answer here as far as the traditional running back uh, that I think may be the best that, that State ever had. He was a great, pure, powerful runner. He, he leads Mississippi State currently in a career rushing yards with 3,994 and single-season rushing yards at 1,391. Um, I don't know if you guys remember it, but he had one of the most iconic runs in Mississippi State history against Houston. Uh, he drug three defenders in the end zone from about the 20-yard line out. And I was actually there in the student section that game. Um, cra- crazy, powerful runner. Um, um, and so he has to be my, my, my best running back for, for State. But actually, my honorable mention here, and you guys are going to kind of get a kick out of this, but uh, it's got to be Nick Fitzgerald. And I know he was the quarterback, um, but, man, his legs and his rushing abilities where he really made a living. Yep. Um, and he's actually second in career and single season rushing yards behind Dixon. Um, and uh, Fitzgerald also holds uh, the career uh, record for the most rushing touchdowns in state history at 46. Um, so Fitzgerald, he, he, he's the, he's the honorable mention for my best running back, even though he was our quarterback. Hey man, that's, if you can get it, you can get it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I used to work with a, a, a old running back at finish line. I cannot, I think his name was Arneil Stallworth, I believe. Uh, he was a, no, you know. <laughs> All right. So Marcus, who was that running back? Uh, this, this come as a surprise, uh, but Brandon Bolden, a lot of people only know him as the, the special team guy from the Patriots. Uh, but the dude was a highlight machine, uh, spinning, hurdling his way down the field. And there, there's other possibilities to choose from. But, man, again, this guy loved Ole Miss. Uh, he played through injuries. Uh, his junior season, he averaged six yards a carry. Uh, uh, I love, you know, the most uh, uh, not necessarily his time on the field, but that's back at the time. Now, of course, I've got a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an 8-year-old, so we don't get to go to many games. Uh, we try to make more baseball games than anything, but as far as going to watch football games, we just don't get to do it a ton. Uh, but used to when Greg was little, we went to meet the Rebels. We went to every game, home game uh, that we could attend, uh, spring game. I mean, we was over there, you know, all the time. And uh, we would go to meet the Rebels when, you know, at the time that Brandon Bolden was was the running back. Man, he, he'd pick Greg up, you know, bring him around the table, take pictures with him, mess with him. And several of those guys done that. Uh, but he, he was just a cool dude. You know, I, I had conversations with him and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, watching him on the field was great, but, but, you know, getting to, getting to know him a little bit in person too. He, uh, he was a pretty cool dude. And, uh, you know, out of all the players, he's had one of the longest careers in the NFL and it's because, you know, he, he don't have to be the stud if it's, yeah. you know, running down the field on a, on a kickoff and knocking somebody's head off. He's just as happy to do that as he is to run a, you know, run a touchdown. So, uh, and, and of course, uh, my honorable mentions gotta be deuce uh you know deuce was a beast yeah but that's that's the thing man i know brandon bolden's one of those running backs like you said he's been in the league for years but he actually remained kind of fancy relevant this year for the patriots yeah. uh back whenever i think he had damon harris from monday stevenson and brandon bolden he actually put up some points yeah 
so for me, I had a, at Alabama, man, that's one thing that we can kind of say about our, uh, the college is that we have a lot of running backs to choose from here. Uh, Richardson. Dude, I almost went with him just because of the juke move that he pulled on Ole Miss. I go lie. Oh yeah, that was nasty. Uh, but running backs that I remember that kind of have made an impact in my life was uh, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, Kenyon Drake. Uh, man, there's there's been a bunch actually. I remember even uh, what was his name, Glenn Coffee. Uh, but the one that kind of stuck out, the one that was my favorite to watch was honestly Derrick Henry. Uh, I know this is kind of a or like another recency answer and everything, but man. Derrick Henry, there is not a running back out there that I remember watching in college getting 35, 40 carries a game and, like, just trucking people, man. Uh, I, I like pure runners. You know, obviously I like PPR guys too, but, man, Derrick Henry is one of those guys you just tell him, hey, look, get us three yards, he can get you three yards. And that's what I liked about him. He was always a big play threat too to where if you have a safety coming at him full speed, even in college, then you still wouldn't taking the guy down. Uh, I think he actually he won the Heisman there after Mark Ingram. Uh, they have that the infamous meme of the uh, going out and calling the coin flip, and you got Mark Ingram looking mm-hmm. like a little 12-year-old boy mm-hmm. next to Derrick Henry. Yep. Uh, but, man, he, he was my favorite running back to watch, though, just there. Um, hoping he gets back healthy for the Titans next year. Look, man, Derrick Henry is a beast and a stud. He, 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 he was a beast in high school. You go back and look at his high school numbers, they're absurd. Oh, yeah. uh, he was a beast in college, um, and he's obviously turned into a beast in pro, just on the NFL level and as a fan, and from the fantasy perspective. But man, that dude—it's uh, a shame that the Titans didn't use him when he first came in either, right? Everybody nope. in the fantasy community was so just—I uh, remember being upset as a as a dynasty uh, first, really getting into dynasty. Man, I was I was all in on him, and there's you know the, they just didn't use him, and and man, it's a shame they didn't because they they could have had some much better. Uh, years earlier, I guess. Trying to get all they could out of DeMarco Murray. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> so who's your Ole Miss – or not Ole Miss, excuse me. Who's your Mississippi State wide receiver, Stephen? Uh, my Mississippi State wide receiver I, – I, here's something State really hasn't uh, had very good over, over the past. You know, my personal opinion on this has got to be Chad Bumpus. Um, he he – and I know he's probably not the best receiver that's ever come through Mississippi State, um, but at the time, and uh, when I was watching, you know, State and going to games and seeing him, uh, seeing him play, he 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 was a hometown hero a little bit. He was from Tupelo, so that's real close to us. Um, so he was just easy to root for and watch, and he was really good. Um, uh, but but State just hadn't produced a lot of really good receivers. You know, we've been more of a running team, uh, you know, uh, in the past than we have passing. Obviously, that's different now with uh, with Leach there and everything. Uh, but the best receiver probably has got to go to Eric Molds as far as, you know, when going to the NFL. He had a good NFL career, um, uh, you know, so probably the best receiver to come out would be Eric Molds. Um, but but my personal uh, receiver that I that I really enjoyed watching was Bumpfus, um, and I and I have to give honorable mention to Ross, Fred Ross, and uh, Darunya Wilson that both played when Dak was there. They were both really good. Absolutely, and that's a it's kind of funny though, man, because with these three colleges, you always kind of have that one position that just don't really add up to the others, and they just don't really have like the name out there like the rest of them do. Yeah. Uh, so Marcus, who's your who's your wide receiver? I'm just going to start with a stat line of, of seven for 171 and three. And, and Stephen can probably figure that one out. That 
that that egg bowl was was pretty awesome you know they they wrote a song about the man so uh dante moncrief he uh was probably my favorite to watch and and when you say that you know coming coming from old miss there's several guys i mean you got two studs right now top 10 fantasy guys in, in the nfl that's come from old miss and aj brown and, and dk metcalf you've got yeah. evan ingram you've got knox uh but again, just his love for the program. He's back over there about every weekend now. I think he does uh, some kind of show with them, and and you know he's inside the vault getting people pumped. So you know he's he's yeah. run his NFL career and he's back at Ole Miss, and just his love again for the program. Uh, but man, if that wasn't one of the most exciting egg bowls to watch, uh, you know when that dude he just uh, the the talk coming in was Moncrief versus I think it was Jonathan Banks who was the big guy at state at the time and he just torched him. Uh, yeah. So that that was that yeah. was pretty fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, it was real fun to watch. I, I have to agree with <laughs> it. it was real fun to watch. No, and, look, and, I mean, and on Jonathan Banks, Jonathan Banks was, was pretty good, but who would have knew that Slay actually was the guy who was going to yeah, turn around yeah. and still shutting folks down in the yeah, NFL? Yeah. Well, look, and, and you, you mentioned A.J. Brown and D.K., which are obviously studs in the NFL now. Um, and, and for me, I would probably pick one of those guys, but I know why, I see why you picked Moncrief. But for me, and I know you probably have this sentiment too as an Ole Miss fan, it's a shame that they didn't win more games with Monk, with uh, mm-hmm. A.J. Brown and D.K. Uh, uh, on the opposite sides of each other. Man, yep. those dudes, it, they were unbelievable, and they still are. They're unbelievable right now. Yeah. So. And I, I also, uh, you know, Mike Wallace was a guy who I loved to watch yep. at Ole Miss. Uh, so, for my receiver, I was really, really close to going to D.J. Hall. Uh, from Alabama, some people that a lot of people may not know of. He played at Alabama from 2004 to 2007. Uh, that's about the time that I started getting into Alabama football. Uh, my dad raised me up ever since I was born, but that's like kind of the first times that I started paying attention to it. You know, uh, watching DJ Hall, he was a really, really good wide receiver. But if I had to choose my favorite that's ever been there that I remember watching, uh, I got to go with Julio Jones. Uh, man, that guy – Watching him, I, the one play that, that sticks out to me more than any other was I want to say that Julio Jones was playing in Death Valley against LSU and took like a 60-yard screen pass out of nowhere just for to the end zone. Uh, and so Julio Jones is a big-time playmaker, big-body guy, uh, transitioned extremely, extremely well into the NFL. Uh, obviously, since then, they've had some studs come out, such as Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, people like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, Julio Jones, he's, he's the only, only Alabama Jersey that I'm, I have went and bought, you know? And so he's, he's my guy. Kind of a funny story about my wife. We're Ole Miss fans. Uh, but she, she likes to pick players from other players. Like she, her quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, you know, which of course has ties to Ole Miss. But when it comes to wide receivers, Julio Jones is her, her dude, like, you know, she's wanted to go watch the Falcons and the Titans. And, uh, the, the funny story comes in, Kenna, I can say something about football and she don't know nothing about it. She don't care, but she knows Julio Jones. So this year in basketball, uh, she, she was kind of arguing with Tristan. Tristan's like, that ain't his number. I was like, what number do you want, Kenna? She's going to be number two. I'm going to be Julio Jones. And I was like, yeah, if that's what you want, you know. But she, she was coming home the other night. She's like, you know, I picked number two. Why? I was like, yeah, you, you said because of Julio Jones. She's like, yeah. But you know you can't scream when I'm playing. Go number two because everybody will think you got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, that that's pretty awesome that you sit there and thought of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> don't scream, go number two. Uh, 
All right, so let's let's transition this over to defensive players. It'll be our last position. Uh, Steven, who's that Mississippi State player? Man, State has been uh, – you know, you talk about recency bias here uh, with some of your players from Alabama, but, man, State has put in some defensive talent in the NFL. And, man, uh, if this was kind of hard for me, um, my first year coaching, I was at Houston, and Chris Jones had just left Houston. I didn't get to coach him there. He did play basketball at Houston, um, but he did come in – uh, the gym multiple times and came back to the school um, while I was coaching there. So I got to meet him, talk to him, really good dude. Uh, saw him at Mississippi State a few times, uh, spoke with him there. So he's going to be my guy as far as my favorite guy. And obviously he's dominating in the NFL, big contract for Kansas City. Um, so he, he's going to be my, my, my favorite defensive player um, from state, but man, this was tough for me because, like I said, they've had a ton of talent over the years. I'm not going to go into any plays or details, but I'm just going to give you some honorable mention names here from state. Man, you got Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Jonathan Abram, Preston Smith, KJ Wright, uh, Darius Slay, Fred Smoot, obviously older but still a stud in the NFL. Jonathan Banks, uh, Danico Autry. Look, let's let's just be honest. I know Bama's got more, but for Mississippi State, that's a ton of great yes. defensive players. Um, and I know that's that's a long list for a segment when you're asking for one player, but it's just hard, man, to to name one player when you got players like that. Yeah, so. and uh, honestly, I'll be honest, he is the only NFL defensive lineman or actually any NFL player that I've ever met in person. Um, I was working at finish line, I think, two years ago, and Chris Jones came in. And I was like, man, that guy looks extremely familiar. And he goes back there and he's like, hey, man, where's your workout clothes at? And I'm like, they're over here. He's like, did you fit in room work? And I was like, nah, dude, it's like a storage closet. <laughs> and so dude like strips down into like just some Nike, like all Nike pro pants and just puts on shorts over, like just taking over the whole place. And so when he gets ready to check out, I take his information and stuff. I was like, you play football, bro? Because you're like six foot 11, you know, like you're huge. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, man, I play golf. And I'm <laughs> like, what, bro? And so at the end of the day, man, he was he was a cool guy. He was funny. Uh, went in and dropped about five bands uh, just for him and his family. So yeah, Chris Jones, he's he's huge. He's still a beast, dude. Yeah, he's a beast. Mm-hmm. All right, Marcus. So defensive Ole Miss player. Uh, man, this is another guy that you know. In the time that we used to go over there a lot, I got to meet uh, Trey Elston. Uh, man, that dude was a monster, uh, to be, to be a small guy, you know, he wasn't big, wasn't the fastest one on the field, but you can't watch an Ole Miss highlight video without seeing Elston lighting somebody up. Uh, the, you know, the land shark defense started with guys like that. Uh, they wasn't the biggest or the fastest, like I said, but they, you know, they hit the field with effort and, uh, they, they was going to knock you out. Uh, there was actually a tweet <laughs> back when all the targeting stuff was going on. And uh, and Elston, that's what he said. He said, if I played in today's college football, I would get ejected every week. Any any would. I mean, the dude did. He, he you know, probably wasn't the, the prototypical that you want to show the kids today because he led with his head and he was looking to hurt somebody. I mean, he didn't just want to tackle you. He wanted to put you on the sideline. So uh, Elston was, was somebody that I loved to watch play. Uh, but then, of course, right there with him, and it was hard for me to choose between these two guys because, man, the energy that this guy brought and, and – the NFL career that was cut short, uh, Patrick Willis, uh, man, probably one of the best defensive players uh, to ever step on the field at Ole Miss. And even in, you know, in the NFL, that dude played linebacker, uh, you know, right up there. If he would have, if he would have played a little longer, he would be in talks, you know, probably best linebacker to ever play the game. So uh, uh, Patrick Willis was a beast as well. Yeah. I really thought you was going to go Patrick Willis there, man. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to, but like I say, Elston was was somebody who uh, I've always been an Ole Miss fan. Uh, but of course, you know, when we was hardcore and, and really getting into it and going over there every weekend, watching them play, uh, Elston was, was somebody like Patrick Willis. I, I, I didn't go to an old Miss game until Greg was, uh, three year old, two, yeah. two, two or three year old. So, I mean, I never seen, I never went to old Miss while, while Patrick Willis was there, but, you know, watching him on TV and watching film and, you know, even, even my hatred for the 49ers, you know, even, you know, watching them at the time that he was there. So, uh, yeah, Patrick, Patrick was somebody that I love too. I had a, I had a hard time choosing defensive player. I ain't gonna lie with you guys. Sure, uh, surely not. You know, defensive man. players from Alabama. I mean, there's <laughs> not them, many to choose from all the first round draft picks. Uh, but I had to go with somebody that kind of is near and dear to my heart. And that's Marcel Darius. Uh, I remember I was in high school in 2010 and was watching the Alabama-Texas. I think that was a national championship game that year. And honestly, I expected Colt McCoy to come out there. I think he was a quarterback then and was expecting him to just put on a show. And watching Marcel Darius just completely demolish that guy, strip sack him, stiff arm him to the ground to where his back was ended up hurting after the play, and then score a touchdown – I played defensive line in high school, and for me, I have much love to defensive linemen. And Marcel Darius was the most, like, the biggest, the meanest guy that I can remember coming out of Alabama. Uh, I will say this. My honorable mention was Terrence Cody uh, from 2009 when he had the block against Tennessee. And I had that picture framed like, in my bedroom for, like, two years. Uh, but Marcel Darius, man, he was somebody that, uh, that I, I enjoyed watching just whenever I was growing up. Uh, honorable mentions though, there's tons of you could do Mika Fitzpatrick, you could do DeMarco, uh, DeMarco or Demico Ryan's. I think that was his name. Uh, there's a bunch of them though. I don't want to get into too much of it. I like I liked Hightower. Uh, he, okay, he, Hightower. Was one of, he was probably one of my favorite favorite guys to watch from Alabama, especially in the you know transition to the pros. Uh, the one player that I guarantee you, my wife, if I ask Morgan right now, who's one defensive player that you know from Alabama, she was a Javier Arenas. Uh, yeah. just because we used to say his name all the time. Uh, but anyways, guys, that's all I got for the night on today's uh, podcast. Uh, Steven, I want to take time, man. Just thank you once again for being on here. Uh, you got anything to say to the listeners before we bail off on this thing? Man, it was a great time. I appreciate it, you guys. I, I started listening to your podcast uh, just just a few weeks ago now. I didn't catch it when it first started. Uh, of course, I know you guys personally, and, man, y'all doing a good job. Uh, I've I'm, I'm been listening every week. Uh, um, so y'all just keep up the good work. Absolutely, man. We appreciate that. We're going to get a special Yellowstone episode coming at some point. For sure. All right, man. So, uh, Marcus, you got anything to say to the listeners? Uh, man, no. Uh, just, you know, keep listening. Thank y'all uh, for taking time out of your week to to listen to our podcast. So. Awesome. So, thank you guys once again for the support this past week. We're able to grow our audience every single week, and we have fun making this podcast, just having fun conversation about college football, NFL, and uh, fantasy football from a dynasty perspective. Uh, what we would like you to do, though, is follow us over on Facebook at Legacy of Legends, the Dynasty Podcast, and Twitter at LOL Dynasty Pod. You can also give us an honest and genuine five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you so choose. But we just look forward to these podcasts each and every week. We may have another special guest next week. We'll kind of see how people's schedules play out and stuff. But, guys, we will see you all next week. Steven, let me get a hell state. Hell state. Marcus, let me get a hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. And roll tide. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>